everyone and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host Drew Agnew and the doors to episode 209 are open. This week on the show we're talking about the Nintendo Switch OLED and putting our thoughts out there about the new system. Metroid Prime Dread is out, Sora's been announced for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and much more. Talk all about that is my good friend Bryce DeWitt. Oh, hey mate, how you going, man? Yeah, good, good. Sitting behind you, it's uh, elating. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, dude. Yeah, not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, it's a bit of a reach this week to like put the music down, mm. so I had to mm, that's just right. lean across him. Yeah. And he had to swim on my armpit and just all that. Mm. Got I a did, good old sniff. I did have a shower though, Bryce, so it should be oh, all right. Oh, you, you're so kind of thoughtful. I am. Very thoughtful. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot's going on this week, Bryce, as far as Nintendo stuff goes on. And it might mm. be even the busiest week of the year, maybe, as far as um, yeah. stuff that's come out. Yeah, Just like brand new system, new Metroid game, Final Smash character's been announced. So, yeah, we've got a fair bit to talk about. Final Smash characters this week, isn't it? Yeah, it comes out on the 18th, Sora. So, oh, so Monday. Yeah, so next, next mo- week. Yeah. Next Monday. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. All right. So let's uh, let's start off the show with our Guru Geek Out, where we talk about stuff that just, uh, you know, we enjoyed throughout the week and maybe some stuff that made us think a little bit. Because certainly this week, something made made me think. It was a bit weird circumstance for Bryce and I <laughs> found ourselves in. Uh, but the first one is just PAX Radio. This weekend, uh, PAX Australia held PAX Online. It's basically just like a Discord server with a bunch of panels going on. There's Jackbox Party Pack. People could jump in with voice chat. It was really cool. It's uh, sort of a really interesting imagination sort of used to uh, bring it to the <coughs> online space. And mm-hmm. Brendan White and the team at Audio Technica actually did PAX Radio where they organized a bunch of content creators doing their podcasts to be aired live on their thingamajig. And last week's episode of ours was on there, which mm-hmm. we really do appreciate being on. And I sh- Bryce, I won a microphone through uh, answering a question. And That's right, yeah. I was, uh, I was, I was really nervous because I was just listening to it while I was sitting at my desk here. And uh, Brendan's like, all right, time to win a prize. Let's see how we can go. Then it does like the sound. I'm like, oh, it sounds like something from Mario. <laughs> and at first, I, I put my hand up in the Discord channel and I say Wriggler from Mario 64. I'm like, I really don't know. I can't remember exactly what Wriggler sounds like in Mario 64. It's been a few years. I didn't um, get to that point in the 3D collection mm-hmm. when I played through it on Switch. So I'm like, he's like, no, 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 not right. So he said, oh, well, we'll ask someone else. And if you can think of something else, come back. And uh, yeah, someone else comes up, gets it wrong. I'm like, and he plays it again. I'm like, oh, I think it is definitely Mario. And he gave us a really big hint. He says, you're on the right track. I'm like, all right. So, yeah, Mario Kart 64. And uh, one of the first things that came to my head was just like Cooper. I'm thinking, yeah, just like the Cooper isn't in Mario 64, but his items are. Mm, that's a red shell. So um, it, it was the, the first like one second of a red shell being fired. And like, you know, it's, it's a pretty obvious sound, but just like the very first snippet isn't so obvious. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. One a microphone from Audio Technica, which uh, very cool, very good, <laughs> very cool, very good, my friend. So yeah, really enjoyed that with uh, Pax Radio, and uh, something that happened to to us yesterday, Bryce, which isn't as fun. And yeah, 
this, this 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 isn't this is going somewhere you know to a positive place. This isn't just yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so yesterday I took my grandma out to lunch, and she ended up having low blood pressure and passing out. We called the ambulance, and they came and came and got her. We went, went to the hospital. Spent most of the day in the hospital, just sitting by side, and she was fine. You know, she got to the hospital. She's like, yeah, I'm good now, but I wasn't so good. <laughs> After lunch, and it turned it turned out the the, the um, ambulance driver just basically explained to us like, after a big meal, it can sort of like trigger a nerve, but which lowers b- blood pressure and oh, okay. just goes down from there. So it's not, and it's happened to her quite a few times. This isn't like a yeah, it's the <laughs> common like a random occurrence. thing. Yeah. She's eighty eight, so she's getting you know pretty old. Yeah, yeah. pretty old. Yeah, and uh, all that. So, but the weird thing is, so I go in the ambulance. So I um, go with Grandma. She gets put into a room. And uh, they said, Drew, you wait in the waiting room and, uh, you know, come in when we're ready. We're all set up. Like, no worries. No worries. And I'm sitting there on my phone, just going through Twitter. And Bryce's mum rocks up and says, hey, Drew, how you going? I'm like, oh, you know, how you going? <laughs> so, and she said, oh, well, my mum's actually in the same room as your grandma. So, obviously, Bryce's, Bryce's grandma. And uh, I'm like, what the fuck? Same, same reason. Same incident. Same reason. Low yeah. blood pressure, passed out, called the ambulance. Yep. Same day, same room. Yep. So I'm in there with, uh, yeah, Bryce's mum just catching up. I haven't seen haven't seen her in a long time. <laughs> so we had a bit of a catch up and yeah. she, she asked about, you know, the baby next year and all that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, very excited and all <laughs> that and, you know, did all that. And, yeah, just random. Yeah, yeah. Very strange. But yeah. But they're okay. That's what matters. They're okay, yeah. So that's, that, that's why it's in the, the guru geek out, I guess. It's just like- no odd coincidence. Odd coincidence, and just yeah. appreciate our appreciate our grandparents. Yeah, that's right. She's the last grandparent you've got as well. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, my grandma's the last grandparent I have as well, and uh, yeah, just you know, really love her. Yeah. Yeah. Just need to need to make more time to you know see her. Yeah. On a more consistent basis. I, think. I, I get like that too, though. Mm. You know that is, and it, especially you know that that is just life, unfortunately. Yeah, mm. it, it does get busy, and I think they they realise that. But yeah, yeah. yeah. And what was real bad? Because I could tell Grandma was looking forward to it and all that, and she just felt bad that it was like an inconvenience to to me and Chantel. No, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, no, don't worry yeah, about no, that. It's, it's no, it's no. Like, we're not there, but oh, god damn it! <laughs> you know, just like, oh, what an inconvenience! Oh, bloody hell! I didn't want to be in the hospital today, Grandma. Well, you know, I guess I didn't want to be in the hospital, but obviously that's not a <laughs> no. that's yeah. not a yeah a thing we're thinking about. But um, it, it makes me think as well. Like, what I really want to do for my a Drew Story interview podcast is talk to her about what it was like growing up in this area when she was a kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think uh, she was born in nineteen thirty. 38. Yeah, it must be 38. Um, so, you know, things were completely different back then. She used to get go to school on horse and carriage and it was like a major thing to to get to, I guess, like the bigger town mm-hmm. where we live, out where she lived in the sticks. So it's just really interesting. So I need to actually get that down to into audio because I really want my kids to hear that. Yeah, yeah. And just really use this medium of podcasting in like a positive way instead of being like, because, you know, our kids might listen to this episode one day. Like, oh, we're talking about the OLED switch and all that. They're like, oh, well, don't have to worry about that too much. But just like real personal stories like that, I'm looking forward to getting into. So I've got to make sure I get that recorded before, you know, she she can't say. Yeah, before she can't pass it on. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, that's fair enough. Um, I My, uh, my grandmother, okay, the same one. 
Uh, AKA the AKA same one. AKA the same one. <laughs> the same one that was uh, the same one that was in uh, hospital. Um, she uh, was an she was from Scotland when she was five. Um, yeah, so a little bit of a story, I suppose, on her her part. But like, this is something she won't ever talk to. She she never talks to anybody about it, like ever. Right. But the basics the basics of her story, and I know a lot more of it. Obviously, I won't divulge into it because that's her, mm. you know, personal part of history that obviously she doesn't want it broadcasted. Um, but yeah. you know, she was an orphan. She was from Scotland, and uh, her mother had passed away. Come over with her dad. Uh, her dad remarried and put her and her brother in an orphanage. So she grew up in an orf- She grew up in orphanages until she got older, and um, you know she had a lot of stories back from those times and stuff like that. Where um, you know she doesn't remember too much about where she was born and sort of stuff like that. Just sort of really basic stuff, um, and um, she remembers sort of coming over and then there was quite some time where she was sort of separated from her brother because she turned eighteen and her brother was older and she left and you know, never really looked back and all that stuff. And, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see, like, uh, a lot of these stories that you'll never get back again. And, like, that's something I'll always remember. I did it for, like, a school report or something like that. I asked her about her past and sort of wrote about it. And um, that's something I'll always sort of hold in my memory too. Uh, It's a shame that, you know, obviously some of it's probably a bit too painful for her to speak about. And that's fair enough. But um, I know that I'll always hold that memory and, I think it's great that um, you know. Again, you you can use this medium of pod, podca- uh, podcasting, podcasting, <laughs> uh, this medium of podcasting to sort of uh, record that and uh, keep it as a sort of reference. It's mm. good, yeah. Because even when, like you know, my parents, well, when I was born, I don't have that many photos of me necessarily because everyone yet had had to go to the shop and get it um, printed and all that. Mm-hmm. Whereas now you just got like a million on your phone, you'll be able to show our kids, which would just be be nuts. Could you imagine having that many photos of you? It's probably actually a bad thing for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. having like every uh, every single like embarrassing thing, like oh look, they're you know doing a poo in the hallway. I just get my phone out and <laughs> record. <laughs> that's that's in the bank for the eighteenth birthday. Oh, I, ha- <laughs> I hate that too. I really hate that. I I I don't think I'll ever do it. To my, like I'll I'll have things in there, but for stuff like that, I'll just like yeah. I don't think I'll go that far. Mm. I know that there's yeah. people that do. They're just like, oh, look at what you did when you were a kid. And I'll just be like, oh, <laughs> I don't even want to think of that. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think memories memories like that are important, but there is definitely some that sort of like you sort of keep yourself. Of course. Yeah. Of you course. Can, yeah. There, there is there is always always a TMI. Always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't share too many aspects of your kids' lives. Just the funny bits that other people will find funny and not cringe. <laughs> well, actually, no, cringe is pretty good too. Um, and just uh, also while we're talking about um, things I enjoyed this week, which don't really fit into the actual episode itself, but uh, the new Pokemon movie Secret of the Jungle came out starring Zarude, the brand new, well, sort of brand new mythical Pokemon. Zarude. We sort of just have access to that Pokemon now via a newsletter that Pokemon company are shipping out if um if you actually sign up for yeah, it yeah if you could be bothered jumping around the stupid process yeah. which we haven't gotten i've signed up for the newsletter i've been signed up for it for years but you've never nothing. gotten no. no which is just unfortunate but uh the movie's available on netflix came out yesterday or the day before mm-hmm. which was really nice for us in australia because it actually came out when it was meant to unlike the actual series itself yeah. there's a big month delay there's months 
between we actually getting a, uh, access to that series. But Bryce, overall, what do we reckon of the movie? Oh, I thought it was good. I did too. I thought yeah, it was really, really good. Liked it. Um, we we had a light discussion about this before the show, but I really like uh, sort of the more diverse look into Pokemon ecosystems. So in this case, it was rude, the jungle and how the jungle operates and how the Pokemon operate within the jungle um, and uh, how humans interact with that. Uh, and I think that's, uh, I, I think, I think it was super brilliant in that respect and regard. Um, I think uh, the characters were pretty well fleshed out for what they were. And I think like villain motivations were, were good, obviously. Um, in sort of like probably a moralistic standpoint without going in too much into spoilers because I'd, I'd prefer people go see it themselves. I think definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the story behind Coco and, uh, Dada, okay. The, the Zarude, uh, with the, uh, I guess you call it a blanket, the pink blanket around his neck. Blanket cape. Blanket cape Bandana, neck bandana. Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> um, I I like their dynamic and I like their relationship and uh, I really, really enjoyed um, sort of seeing how a... Uh, this is a light spoiler, but it's the whole point of the movie, but it's about uh, a kid growing up amongst the rude. Mm. So... Um, it is it is interesting to see how a human sort of operates in that uh, modus operandum. Uh, so that was really cool. Um, I also like that there was sort of that lack of companionship on Ash's behalf, and and it was mo- rawly just Ash in there as well. I agree. Yeah, that was a bit of a shock too, because yeah, because Go, I thought Go would be in there, but hmm. no, no. Yeah, it was just Ash just exploring and. Ash only had his one Pokemon as well. He he got out. He, he actually got out a Pokeball at one point, but he never released anything from it. It was just Ash and Pikachu. Yeah, and how those two characters actually fit in with the rest of the story and the new characters. Yeah, and they didn't they didn't make him frontline everything, which is which was brilliant, and I loved that. Um, you know, I like Ash fine enough as protagonist. Obviously, he's been in that seat for a long time, but they didn't put so much focus on Ash that he become too important with the story. Yeah, like he could have just, it could have been anyone and just yep. someone helping Coco achieve what they wanted to achieve throughout the story. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. And like Coco is just like a really lovable character. And I guess um, just talking about the Zerud as well, <laughs> just off the bat, just uh, how like Zerud, like he doesn't actually talk. He still talks in his own language, but just to convey it to the actual audience. So it's not just like noises and beeps and bops throughout the whole yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. They actually speak in English when like they're talking to each other. Yeah. But when they're talking to humans, it is very Zaro, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, Pokemon yeah. talk, yeah. which I appreciated. I think that was a good touch how they actually like yeah. have those as actually like just more, I guess, like emotional characters rather yeah. than just like, oh, that's an animal or. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> you know? all right. And I mean, like, that that's the thing, too, is, like, we're not averse to seeing and we're not, you know, strangers to seeing uh, English-speaking Pokemon in Pokemon movies. That's obviously a very common theme, but this is different uh, in many a regard because it's not like, oh, this Pokemon has psychic powers and can yeah. talk humans. It, yeah. is, it is literally just, like, in every sense, this Pokemon is just a Pokemon and that's what it is, but you are listening to their conversations. Yeah, and that's definitely a clutch for previous Pokemon movies have held on to dearly. Yeah. Starting with Mewtwo in the very first movie, how it's like, oh, we can understand you. You're such a 
such an intelligent psychic being that you're <laughs> just projecting this onto us. But then it's like shaman. It's like really shaman can talk through te- telepathy. I don't think so. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. It's like really. Yeah. yeah. Even like some other ones, I, th- I think it was, um, no, I don't think Giratina did, but there's some unusual ones where it's just like, no, <laughs> you kind of just like, it doesn't really need to be. Yeah. And it, it doesn't really need to be a point of it. It's like, uh, Lugia, for example, I suppose was, uh, one of the older ones as well. And it's just like, oh, we just, we have to insert a talking Pokemon here to explain what's going on. It's like, no, yeah. you, you don't really. Um, if it's not pertinent to the story, then it's not really necessary. But with this, because Zarude was such a huge part of the ecosystem and like at the forefront of the story uh, in raising this child, uh, this child knows only how to speak Zarude, I guess. Yeah speak in a Pokemon language and like, uh, and therefore it becomes a central factor point of the story. It's, it's not just a shoe in to try and bridge gaps. It is, it is quite literally uh, a very pertinent, important part to the story. So yeah, I, I, it was definitely a good change in, in terms of regards of that too. Yeah. So definitely if you have Netflix, which you probably do mm-hmm, yeah. go and check it out. Yeah. It's a, it's a good movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, sti- it. it's still a kid's movie, but it's, I reckon it's one that if you're a Pokemon fan, you'll, you'll like it. It's just yeah. like, it's a, it's a nice tale. I have more of the Pokemon world. I have more appreciation for the Pokemon Zarude now than I ever did before. Too. Yeah. And, and that's what these are. These movies are great for is just like giving more context to characters. Cause especially Zarude in, in Sword and Shield, it is very much a picture and the Pokedex entry, it's from a jungle. You're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. There's no context there. And that's something the games really need to work on because when it's just like, all but right, sign up for our newsletter and you get a code, there's no context. That's that's what I mean too, though, is like in terms of Zarude, like with other legendary Pokemon, there's always something to them, right? You, you know, you could say the same thing about everyone, every, every mythical Pokemon or legendary Pokemon that sort of comes into frame with Pokemon. It's just like, it is a picture with the description. It's like, it lives under the ocean or it lives in space. Yeah. But there's always a form of mysticism that sort of comes with those Pokemon in terms of like, you know, Jirachi is the wish maker, for example, or, uh, you know, Shaman is, I had it there for a second. I lost it. Do we need to Google this? Oh, well, okay. They know they make a big deal about like gardenia flowers and Shaman and stuff like that as well. Yeah. I can't really remember its exact title. Mm. It's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, obviously Darkrai is like the night, like a fucking nightmare, like quite literally a nightmare. Whereas like Cresselia is the opposite half. And like all this stuff sort of gets explained in game in some sort of former context. But with Zarude, it was just like, it is a monkey that lives in the jungle. And is it really a mythical Pokemon? Because it doesn't feel like it's a mythical Pokemon. But with this movie, like I feel like the explanation gives it a lot more of a personality than just its title. It's myth. It's mythical because of like, it's sort of place in, I guess the food chain for lack of a better term. It's just like within the eco- ecosystem and yeah. how it's respected by all the other Pokemon. Yeah. 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 It's relationship with the jungle itself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Helping preserve it. And yeah. Respect it and all that. And I mean, that's the thing is like, that's, that's what it comes down to is that it, without that context, it is just the monkey Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, but um, you know, with this movie, it it gives it gives it a lot more flavor, and uh, yeah, definitely raises my respect for it in a regard. I can't say like you know, I can't I can't go back and say like 
I guess maybe Pokemon Forever was probably the closest legendary relationship I really gave a shit about when it comes come terms to a movie. Like uh, Pokemon 2000s, the 2000 was neat, but I, I held regard for Lugia before Pokemon 2000. And then, you know, sort of uh, same thing with uh, the, uh, uh, fuck, what was it called? The one with Entei and the Unknown. Uh, yeah. The name. <laughs> the, it's Pokemon the Movie 3. Yeah, it's Pokemon the Movie 3. Uh, I just can't remember the name. I'll Google it. But yeah, talk about it. I'll, uh... Um. <clears throat> That was that was almost there and gave a little bit more context for Entei, but the the thing is is that predominantly Suicune has always been sort of like the more It is literally called it, Pokemon 3 the movie. Okay, there you go. I thought I had a different it had a it had a subtitle, I swear to god. Uh this spring in the unknown spells adventure. Oh, yeah. well Google isn't giving me anything, so yeah, okay, well. Anyway, maybe it was just in the Europe. Must be. It's just like, yeah, looking at the picture here for the DVD cover. <laughs> With the very badly photoshopped Ash and Charizard in the corner. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> they really did uh, want to cut the budget there, didn't they? Um, but, uh, you know, that was sort of there, but I, I they stapled Entei too much to like one character for it to be important, I guess. It doesn't really give it much background and sort of stuff like that. Um, with Latios and Latias, I, I think like they they pervade it really well of like the actual power of these Pokemon. I love Pokemon Heroes. That is my favorite one. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's a really good movie. Um, I'm not really sure what my favorite Pokemon movie is, but um, yeah, I I just feel like those things sort of do it better. And it's the same even even with the first Pokemon movie. It's the same with Mew and Mewtwo. They're kind of just they they they're mystical and mysterious as fuck and. <laughs> that's sort of just how they are and they're impressive enough in the games as it is whereas like you know you don't really need the movie to tell you that you're just like holy shit that's a Mewtwo oh my god that thing's can kick my ass but you know and and same with Mew as well you think the same way but like well same way you know what I mean maybe not the same way you're like oh that's ridiculously cute and you'd never see that anywhere else I don't know um <laughs> such a cute little pink cat. Such a cute little pink cat. Meow. Um, well, use transform and moved into something shittier. Oh, I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, not use pound. Um, but uh, yeah, with with Zerud, this extra context like really bumps it up in my eyes and definitely helps. For sure. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the brand new system from Nintendo that came out <clears throat> over the last couple of days. Yes. Nintendo Switch OLED model. Recently released worldwide. I really wish they just gave it an actual name. It does have a name. Nintendo Switch OLED model. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I think a Nintendo pre- uh, prefers to have it called Nintendo Switch OLED model. Now, that is a handful. Isn't it, Bryce? You are holding it. It looks like I it am. is quite filling your hands. Yes. Yes. So on Friday, it released... Went and uh, picked it up. My pre-order from EB Games. I got the the white edition. Been playing it over the weekend. Didn't get a whole lot of time yesterday because I um, didn't bring it to hospital. I, that was a bit, bit of a sudden uh, incident that happened. But um, yeah, first, just like as soon as you get out of the box, I'm sure you guys might have checked out some, you know, unboxings. Maybe even the ask the ask ask the developer interview that Nintendo published on Nintendo.com. But if you haven't checked any of that out. I'm going to do a, 
I'm going to put out my thoughts. And they're, they're all pretty, it is pretty similar that like, you know, what you've probably heard before. But as soon as I got it out of the box, I'm like, wow, the screen looks a lot nicer. You can just tell from like the black sort of shade that the screen gives off. And it's just nice and glossy to like the edges of the actual unit on the front. Looks really nice. And um, like the kickstand on the back, I really, really like it. I haven't played like tabletop mode with my Switch in a long time. But the kickstand now just makes it a little bit more sort of satisfying because you can put it at like any angle you want. And also one of the, the cool features that actually Nintendo sort of um, pointed out towards me as well is just like all the information on the back, just like regarding like recycling of the plastic and all the, all, all the boring shit that makes like the back of the Switch look a bit messy. That's actually all under the kickstand now, which so if you never use it and put in a handheld mode or sorry, um, tabletop mode, it's actually a nice little thing that's just all the barcode and that is hidden underneath. Yeah, yeah. But Bryce had a bit of a go before the podcast too. He hasn't picked one up just yet. He's holding out. Might get one one day. Um, but what's uh, your thoughts just picking it up straight away? Because obviously the, the biggest improvement is the screen, but just as far as like the build quality and yeah, all that yeah, as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I feel like I feel like that's the biggest in, I, I think that's the biggest thing for me is that it's quite obvious the build quality has improved um obviously the screen is nice but as as i sort of uh, explained to drew before the podcast um started i have i have a lot of a lot of screens in my house a lot of screens and um i don't have the money to upgrade all of them to look to the point where you know they're like really crisp and really really awesome so it's sort of like uh for me, I can look at my Switch. I can look at the OLED, then look at my Switch. And obviously, I see the difference, but it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. Um, I think probably because, like, with my computer, I am whenever I'm doing anything on my computer, I am literally looking at screens that are, like, 7 to 10 years old. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just surround yourself by, like, older stuff and you won't have to have <laughs> ever have to buy new it. stuff ever again. <laughs> You've got, you got a wicked TV though. So I've got a really good TV, but you know, I there's Pokemon cards all over the floor. Drew, damn it. Yep. <laughs> um, an experience being at Drew's house. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, uh, I do have an awesome TV, um, but that is like, that is something that the whole family can use. So it is it is sort of seen as a worthy purchase in, in that regard. It's just like, well, if I'm going to spend money on a TV, I spend one grand for a shit TV or like a TV that hardly works or I spend three grand and get a nice TV that the whole family can sort of enjoy. Um, and when I connect my new consoles to it and stuff like that, like they'll all look nice and good and that, that's great. Um, but with a Switch or my computer screens or something like that, you know, by the time I replace both screens, that's $1,400. And I'm kind of just like, it looks nice for me, but for anybody else that is not touching my computer. Starts to rack up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, a, it's, yeah, it's not really worth it. I, I'm, I'm currently sort of like in the mindset of like, now that these things are becoming more common, obviously like, you know, we've got plenty of OLED switches and we've got 4k TVs, like, coming out more cheaper and cheaper as time goes on and stuff like that. I am just waiting for the point where eventually uh, 4K monitors are like, you know, around the prices of like 300 and then like, then I'll buy two as opposed to like now where it'd be like, oh, I pay $700 for each. And you're like, mm, no, I'm, I'm all right. 
Anyway, that being said, uh, everything else, it, like the the screen is obviously nice, but like I said, doesn't bother me too much right now. But the thing that does impress me is the build quality. Now, the build quality itself is really solid. Um, much more solid than the original Switch. Uh, it definitely feels a lot more like a premium unit. And the way I look at it is that these these parts in 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 the switch they obviously haven't been upgraded and therefore they've been the same parts we've been using for most of the time obviously there'd be slight upgrades since then um but it's obvious that those parts have gotten cheaper so they've invested more money into upgrading the build quality and obviously into the screen and they've put out a product that just feels that that bit more premium for the people that actually really do want a super nice switch um Am I still a little bit disappointed that it's not upgraded in the guts? Probably yes. Um, I haven't played with it enough to see, you know, how like maybe something like Breath of the Wild runs and like how that looks. And it runs the exact same. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it does, but like, you know, just like looking looking at it from from a perspective, you know, like I, I I've I've played a round of Smash. I haven't, you know, toured the thing like in, in the same general sense as what, you know, you, you will probably get over the next couple of weeks and we'll be able to report back on. Yeah. But otherwise I think like it's a pretty, pretty decent unit. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Just like the screen straight away is just like, it makes me happy that I've went and got one, done the upgrade. Cause every now and again, say, say even with games like cozy groove, which came out on Apple arcades for, and I had access to it for my subscription fee. So I'm like, Oh, I'll play it on my, on my phone and obviously with the I've got an iPhone 11 Max so that's got like a really nice screen and the colors for the games and everything on it just really pop mm-hmm. and you don't have the controls you want even if you hook it up to a controller it's still like a you know a bit of a clunky mess I don't have uh, one of the backbones or one of those nice sort of controllers that make it into a, like a more switch form factor so it's kind of like a bit weird and I would prefer to play it on my switch and have it docked on the TV and have all the conveniences what come of that but when I do go back to my Switch, or at least my older one, it's just like, man, it just I do notice the difference because, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, I I do like having screens that do really pop and look nice, as everyone does. I don't know anyone who's like, I hate good-looking screens. I hate them. <laughs> so, like, all the games on it just look really nice and even just like, you know, all of Nintendo game, uh, Nintendo's games, they're like very, very, very colourful, so they benefit a lot from just like a more vivid screen. And, but one thing I did notice is just like, if you, if you play on dark mode, just like the blacks in the back, it's obviously not optimized for like an OLED screen. So it looks a bit grainy, like all the other images and the text and that look really nice, but just like the background looks, looks a bit weird. At least it did to me. I don't know if anyone's, anyone's, anyone else has had that problem, but um, if you set it to just like the white theme, it looks a lot better. It doesn't have that problem, but Yeah. Just a really great console. Really am enjoying it so far. It's not, it, everyone's saying like, oh, it's not worth it if you already have a Switch. And it's, you know what? It's probably, probably not. But if you have like the income, disposable income to get one, if you really care about the screen and having a, a Switch that has a better form factor, if you got one on launch and it's yours is falling apart, you'll probably be able to get like a pretty good deal, deal if you go to like EB Games or GameStop or any of these places where you'll get a pretty decent trade in because even with like, I traded in my original 2017 model at the start of the year for the, the red switch, the limited edition one that came out. And I ended up paying like 150 bucks for like a brand new switch. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it'd be like a similar thing for this where if you trade in like your original Switch, it might be like a $200 sort of on top of that, which is I think for that type of like um, price point, if you are putting money towards this with an older console or games you don't want, I think that is worth the upgrade then, especially if you've got like an ancient Switch. But if you bought one like this year or something, maybe not. But I would probably get. I consider getting rid of um, maybe my old, maybe my old Switch and maybe my Xbox One. You got your Xbox One still, do you? Yeah. Interesting. Oh, oh, you've got limited edition one. I've got you? a Halo one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Which I haven't got rid of it yet. So. But it was cool because like when I went to EB Games to pick it up, I you know picked up my Switch and I was just looking at the Switch games on the wall and. Uh, behind me, I just hear like one of my old friends from high school who I hadn't seen her in like years. Years and years. So we had a bit of a catch up and she was actually there picking up her Switch as well. I'm like, oh, so you're getting a Switch. She's getting a an OLED. She got the neon uh, version. And she's like, yeah, well, this is my very first console I've ever gotten. I've never had one before. I'm really excited to you know, try some of these games. Because she said when she was younger, when she lived at home, her parents didn't let her have a games console. It's just like, dude, that sucks. That sucks. That sucks. <laughs> that sucks balls. But you know she's a big girl now, so she can go and buy her own yeah. Nintendo Switch OLED model. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, she was looking at the at the games, and she was like, "What should I get?" And it sort of set me in a mood. You know, I'm just like looking at the last four years of Switch, being like, "All right, what do I recommend to someone who's literally this is their first Nintendo console, their first console ever?" You know, she, she I get, you know, she, I don't know. Like, well, ask the questions like, "Oh, what's your budget?" What are you into? You know, all those types of questions. So first off the bat, she's like, well, I'm getting Mario Kart. I'm like, well, yes, <laughs> get Mario Kart. That's going to be great for playing with people who come over, playing by yourself, mm-hmm. all that. You know, it'd be her first Mario Kart she's ever owned. And I know what, what that's like because it's very different going over to someone's place and being like, yeah, I'll play some Smash with you. And it's completely different when, like, you have your own copy and you're like, I'm going to practice at home. I'm going to unlock, you know, all the characters and all the trophies and all that. It's a completely different experience. Yeah. So she's going to love Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Could you imagine that being your first Mario Kart? That is a, that's a, that's a lot of stuff to dive into. And she heard about Animal Crossing. She's like, oh, well, I don't really know what it's about. She's like, well, I'm like, well, it's basically you're on an island. You've got little animals running around and you got to you build your island from just like just being like a wildlife, like a untouched island. You build it up to make it into the town you want. You make friends with your little animals. You're like, that sounds cool. So she got that. And uh, she so one more game, which I had to recommend. And, you know, looking around, I'm like, there's Astral Chain. I'm like, not Astral Chain. Good game, but not that one. And uh, I'm like, should, should we do a Mario game? Is it Mario Odyssey? So No, maybe not. So Breath of the Wild, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how she'll go with this one. It's a bit more of like it's obviously a lot more technical, a lot more to it than the other two games. But if she does like it, that'll set her off on a fantastic path oh, for the rest of like Nintendo's library on Switch, mm-hmm. whether it is Mario Odyssey or even it's where even, the Switch began. Yeah, think of it that way. Exactly. It's just like how could you not recommend Breath of the Wild to a brand new Switch owner? Uh. So. So I know a lot of people that wouldn't. <laughs> That's a sad thing. Yeah. Well, since being in this community, we'll fucking cross the mighty. All you people, all you people that have a problem with the weapon weapon degradation. Fucking hell. My neck still hurts from shaking my head so violently. Let's move on from that. But yeah, just, uh, <laughs> just it was, it was interesting because I'm like, I never thought like, you know, someone would be getting the OLED model for the very first system. But it just shows you that 
like, you know, Switch is trucking on to 100 million being sold and there's still people out there who are like, I've never owned a console before and Switch is the one that is getting them into like more like traditional gaming away from just like casual stuff on your phone or whatever. Because like, I think personally, I think mobile gaming is great, but there's a different sort of investment when you're like, I'm going to buy a device for gaming. Yeah, that's right. There's no denying that because <coughs> yeah. when when you're playing on your phone, like I, I quite have, I have a lot of fun with Pokemon Go and a lot of the stuff I play on my phone, but there's not that investment to be like into games. Mm, that's right. Yeah. So like, you know, I don't want to poo-poo mobile gaming. I just don't. A poo-poo. A lot of people do. I don't think. You want to poo-poo. This isn't 2009 anymore on your iPod Touch. But poo-poo. You know, it's different. It's different. But anyway, OLED model. Really like it. I'm looking forward to continuing to play it. Yep. I haven't touched on the dock because the dock is just like a different shape and I haven't even plugged it in yet, to be honest. <laughs> it looks nice. It looks nice. Yeah. It looks nice. Yeah. We'll give Bryce his first impressions on the podcast. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, go. Oh, it's a dock. Yeah, it's a dock. It's a white oh, dock. It, it's got a circular outlet mm-hmm. on the back. Mm. It's very shiny black in the middle uh, where you put your switch. Uh, it's very nice white. Very nice white, yes. Uh, you open up the back. Oh, it looks very wavy in here. Uh, mm. It doesn't seem the uh, back doesn't seem to latch on the same way as it. No, does it doesn't. Other. It just pops off. It just pops off. It just pops off. Just I like a college this. party. They've uh, they have removed. I can confirm they have removed that USB port in there. Mm, mm. What a shame! What a shame. Bryce confirms it. No one else um, has. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Ah uh, yes. There is a beautiful little LAN port in there. Whoa. Well, too bad it makes no difference to me because I'm a sucker that bought one. <laughs> it, it, I'm kidding. It was a very very worthy investment, actually. Yeah, that was. <laughs> it was a really good, good investment. <laughs> um, the only reason I hadn't is because, well, this is a long story, but we'll make we'll make it nice and quick. I actually got electricians in to put um, Ethernet into my office here so I could land up everything. They fucked it up, so I got another electrician in to do it, and they only put one in. So obviously, <laughs> obviously, the computer's got to be the main priority there. But you just need to get a switch, man. Well, not, not not the one in your hand. I've got plenty of switches, bro. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> uh, the only noticeable thing I'm going to put towards our audio listeners out there is that um, I'll be able. To, uh, this is the switch in the dock at the moment, and you can hear it. This is me rattling the switch in the dock. So there's actually a bit of give in there. Uh, say if say like some grips might be able to fit in there now, but I think that extra room is just so it doesn't bloody scratch the screen. Yeah, that's right. Because that was a big fucking problem oh, on the original yeah. Switch. Mm-hmm. So there is a bit more room in there. It does rattle around if you like shake the dock, but it, that is a good thing as well. But it's a bit more a bit more there. So that brings us to the games we've been playing, Bryce. So obviously Metroid Dread has been on the agenda. I haven't put as much time into it as I wanted to uh, just because I didn't touch it yesterday on Sunday because, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I've already touched on that, but just very quickly, I uh, bought and played Tetris Effect Connected on the Switch. Uh, this was the very first game I played on my Xbox Series S when it launched last year. It was a day one Game Pass game. And it's just a really fantastic version of Tetris where it's just the visual and audio sort of stimulus are just unreal just as you're playing, like as you're building the blocks and getting um, just like, yeah, getting rid of rows and that. It's just like the music is building up and just as you're getting closer and closer to like completing the level, the music is just going like full force and it's just unreal. So I bought that game because I wanted to see it on the OLED 
mm-hmm. and it looks stunning on the OLED. It looks awesome. Uh, just how you would imagine it to be, just like just like the particle effects and everything that's going on as like you're completing rows. Just really, really fantastic. Gorgeous. So I'm glad I bought that. That will be in the recommendations towards the end of, end of the episode. But you can get that for 45 Australian bucks. It's on, I think it's 20% off at the moment. So that's worth picking up if you've actually got one of these brand new ones. But it's worth it anyway, even if you have a Switch Lite or something as well. It's just a really great version of Tetris, mm-hmm. which you have a lot of fun with. Yep. Um, but yeah, the other one that we've both been playing, Bryce has put more time into it, but Metroid Dread which uh, I, I'm going to touch on my thoughts a bit more next week when I have a bit more time to play around with it. But uh, Bryce, what are you thinking? Oh, You've put it's, it- so, it's so good. So good. Yeah, just like you know, I've only I've only literally turned it on, played like tw- half an hour. But so, something the Switch has always done very consistently since it started is it's always made a hallmark of its, its franchises. So obviously uh, Breath of the Wild was pretty hallmark. Uh, it changed a lot about Zelda and sort of, you know, flipped the formula back to a, a similar to what it was once upon a time. Um, and I think it's it's good for the series in general. Uh, Mario Odyssey, same thing. Um, it sort of re, reconfigured the 3D formula to make it more approachable and uh, more open in option and um, therefore improving the product overall. So good tip in on that. Um, and then, you know, you've got, you've got more titles in there that obviously do the same thing that, uh, they don't reinvent the wheel so much. They just, uh, give it a lot more air in the pump, I guess. Okay. Yep. <laughs> that makes sense. You know, so <laughs> pump that tire up. Um, and, and it's been good for my series on the switch and, uh, it's, it's definitely no different with, uh, this game and Metroid in my opinion, at least from what I've played so far. Um, Samus uh, Samus moves so fluidly and like you can tell that this game is made to be fast and fluid and, you know, uh, running away from, like even just like running away from the Emmy and stuff like that. Uh, you don't feel impeded by what's in front of you. So like, you know, if there's, if there's a ledge and you're like, oh, if I jump up, I'm going to have to climb up on that. Yeah you have to do it sure but it like samus moves pretty quick so she climbs up that ledge pretty quick and then you sort of like run through uh, you hit the slide button to slide under things you can like constantly moving and like it's never stopping and uh that's like something that's really important uh to i guess i guess maze games like metroid um being impeded by something that's uh i guess just arbitrary like oh like i have to push this block x amount of way or i have to do this it doesn't happen uh in dread um there's only a few cases that i can kind of point back to where it might do it uh but even then like they're very isolated cases like there's boss doors where um there's like a creature attached to the door or whatever and you have to counter it before you can go through the door but they are exclusively only on uh, boss doors. So, like, you know, when you go in and fight something. Mm. Um, but then as well, like, uh, I feel like aiming and movement and being uh, is, is really responsive to the control stick. I think, like, you know, it's really easy to use lock-on to your advantage. Um, uh, well, lock-on, I should say. Uh, locked move, uh, locked aiming, I should say. Yeah, like holding yeah. down the... 
yeah. um, left bumper. And- like if I if I jump and hold the left left bumper, I will still carry momentum and I can still aim where I want to shoot yeah. uh, a lot a lot clearer, which is really good and very effective on some bosses. It's a very uh, like pertinent strategy. Um, the sense of dare I say it dread of the game is oh. really good. Um, being chased down by Emmy, it feels really threatening. And when you when you caught by Emmy, um, like a, a lot of people are just like, oh, you just die, right? And it's like, no, but you're not. Um, it explains sort of like earlier on that there is there is a very small chance to es- to escape an Emmy's grasp if you're really really good at timing, but it is virtually impossible. So uh, you can press X at a very particular time when being caught by an Emmy uh, to counter it. And it is such a small window of opportunity that when you do pull it off, it is so elating. You're like, oh my God, I've just escaped death. Now I've got a piss ball. So you just run. Just stuff like that just makes it really good. It captures exactly what I wanted out of it when I saw the first trailer. I was just like, holy crap, this is, you know, dark. It invokes that sense of being the hunted um, as opposed to the hunter. Uh, And I'm constantly, I'm, I'm like constantly wanting to play more and more and more like it, it's just it's just routine in my head now i'm like oh, i really need to pick up my switch and play dread so um i'm very keen uh i'm hopefully i should be finished by next time we record anyway um i'm really enjoying it i would love to uh jump back into this game immediately immediately after with the knowledge of knowing where things are so that I can see how quickly this game can be beaten with that little bit of extra knowledge. But for now, I think I've put in like maybe about six hours. Um, I've definitely gotten lost for like an hour or two, um, just not knowing where to go. But when I eventually figured it out, I'm just like, oh my God, like I'm I'm a sort of sense of like, finally, and very good, let's move on. Um, (laughs) But that's something like not on, that's not new to Metroid. Like that's obviously something... Uh, it's a very Metroid. Of course, yeah. Um, but the maps are quite big too, so it is. It is sort of like, yeah, backtracking can be can be uh, a little bit big, like a little bit big of a thing, I suppose. But if that's my only complaint with the game, then I don't have many many complaints at all, really. Um, it's it's a lot of fun, and uh, I can't wait to play more. Yeah, I am too. I do wish that I could have fit more in over the weekend. Yeah. But, yeah, I actually... I, <laughs> I, I play, like, a bit on stream. I'm like, this really isn't a game, but I want to play on stream. So after, like, <laughs> 10 minutes or so, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll play this later. And, yeah. <laughs> I played I played a bit on stream. Um, and I might even play more on stream, but I'm not dedicating Metro Dread just to stream. No. Yeah, I figured that out as, as as soon as I sort of got a few hours in. I'm just like, nah, I'm like, I'm going to want to play this off stream. This is too fun. And the game seems to be tracking pretty well too on Metacritic at the time of recording. It's at 88 for the, the critic uh, score and the user score is actually at 9.1, so a little bit more. And it seems to be getting pretty good reception. Everyone seems to be liking it for the most part. There were some sort of outlets complaining about the game being too hard, which is... You know, there's 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 hard as in being like, oh, it's not accessible to people with disabilities, which is which is a, a great point. But then there's just like too hard, where it's like I can't beat it. So well, 
I don't know. You just have to practice. You gotta practice. I, I, yeah. I got I got stuck on a boss last night. And I'm going to redact what the boss was. And yeah. I got stuck on a boss last night. It was balls hard. It was really hard. But the satisfaction of completing it was great. You know, I spent like 45 minutes, 45 minutes on this one section. I'm like, God damn it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh, I, I need to go to sleep. I'm like, but I can't go to sleep until I kick this guy's ass. <laughs> and then when I eventually did, I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah, that felt good. And mm. I, I mean, that's, you're supposed to be challenged. It's kind of like the point, right? Yeah, because it's not like the longest game either. No. So, you know, I guess challenge sort of, you know, it's the old school mentality of adding length to a game. Because it's harder. Yeah. Not every game has to be uncharted on story mode. You no, know? you know, there's there's different experiences for different people, and you know, Metroid doesn't have to cater to every single person either. Mm-hmm. I think I think uh, Nintendo is really lacking in in, a, in accessibility just through like control options and stuff. I think Pokemon Let's Go really put that into perspective, just of not having sort of control <laughs> options for people that you know can't don't have full access to the hands or arms which is a bit disappointing, but this is something different. So just, you know, calm down. Speaking of uh, silly outlets, a part of the gaming industry, Kotaku ca- caught a lot of flack uh, over the week because they put put out an article saying Metroid Dread is running on, uh, already running on Switch emulators. Oh, you know what that means? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing? Um, Nothing. Well, yeah, know. no, I know what it is. Wait. That one. He's trying to work out the roadcaster. There you go. Woo-hoo! There you go. Is that all? I fight for my friends. Woohoo! My body is still. For some reason, some part of me thought you'd left the volume up. No, well, I wasn't going to go. go wasn't going to go to the news just yet, but since we're well, we're already here, man. You're already reading news. Well, I wasn't going to read the news. We're just going to sort of bring this into the Metroid Dread conversation before getting into the news, but. This is news. All right. It is All literally right. labelled news. All right, bros. We might as well just move into it. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, cancel the show. We're going home. Start again. Well, have you got anything <laughs> more to say on Metroid Dread? Because I've said what I've needed. To. I haven't really, no, because I've I've literally spent half an hour with it. I think yeah. it feels great. Yeah. I think, like, as soon as I put it in, I'm just, like, moving Samus and moving her arm cannon with, like, the stick. Because I was expecting... I wasn't expecting to be able to have free roam while actually moving the character at the same time. Mm-hmm. I was expecting, like, you know, holding the trigger, then you can sort of aim, you know, the full 360 degrees. But actually, like, the moving felt fantastic and just, like, exploring was fun. And, yeah, I don't have too much to say on top of what you've said mm-hmm. just with the short amount of time I've spent with it. Yep. Fair yeah. enough. But um, it looks awesome on the OLED as well. I don't think that's a <laughs> surprise to anyone. Yeah. But uh, anyway, back to Kotaku. They actually got in a bit of flack because they put that, put out an article basically saying like, you know, Metroid Dread's already running on Switch emulators. Fantastic. And they got into a bit of heat because they, I'm not going to quote it uh, just like one for one, but they basically said, Fan, thank God for, uh, <laughs> thank God for hackers and emulators and ROMs and all that type of thing. Because, you know, Nintendo isn't so good at preserving their, you know, history as mm-hmm. far as giving us access to their content on their platforms. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, is 100% true. So, yeah. But when it comes down to it, they'll very much basically saying like, hey, this is where you can get a ROM for Metroid <laughs> Dread on your PC. And what's really interesting about Metroid in particular is we we haven't got a Metroid game in a long time. I guess the last game would have been Federation Force. 
Metro yep. Prime Federation Force on 3DS, and that was a that was a controversy in itself. Wait, was that Federation? No, wasn't it Samus, Samus oh, Returns? Of course, so Samus Returns. Yeah. But I'm thinking like original, like fully original. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I know yeah, Samus yeah. Returns was like a very loose, <laughs> very loosely, you know. It was a recreation of Metroid 2. Yeah, it's very much a recreation. It wasn't like just a remake. No. But as far as like 100% original, we're looking back to then on the 3DS, which was, you know, next level games, fantastic developer, but I think they shouldn't have maybe chosen to call it Metroid Prime. I think that evoked some passionate Metroid fans. But, you know, Metroid, we haven't actually got, especially a 2D game in a very, very long time, all the way back in 2002 on Game Boy Advance. So, you know, when... When people are basically saying just, oh, here's where you can pirate it and potentially the game doesn't sell and Nintendo's not interested in developing these games anymore, uh, it really did spark um, oh. spark the fan base, rightfully so, to get upset at Kotaku. And I've just um, I've just pulled some of like my, my mentions here on Twitter. So this is under the Kotaku post and these are some of the people that just come up on mine. Like even just like Pokey Jungles replied to this being like uh, a Pokemon website. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're just like, please don't pull this shit when Pokemon games come out. Uh, Will Unicycles Will uh, said, cool, please to know I can dump the ROM from the game cartridge I already legally required and have a better experience on the more powerful hardware than my Switch. This is a cool alternative for Refusius. I wasn't aware of this running well. So that basically like, Will's like, oh, fucking don't need a Switch. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing, right? It's like, um, and hi, Will, by the way. Hi, Will. Uh, been a long time since I've heard Will's name, um, but uh, it is really frustrating when, and that's what it comes down to, is it's really frustrating when a new game comes out, especially in a series like Metroid, that really needs more attention, and then they're going to say something like this. Um, <coughs> sorry, uh, they've been doing this for a while, Kotaku specifically. Mm-hmm. They've been saying like, oh, like this game runs well on an emulator. This game runs well on an emulator. And it's always with a newish title. Please fuck off, Kotaku. Honestly, like if if you need any validation that your articles are fucking getting more annoying, it's it's now. Like if this isn't, if this isn't a clear indicator that you need to fucking stop doing this shit. If you want to talk about emulation, that's fine. Um, talking about emulation of newer stuff and encouraging it or suggesting that it's possible only harms the potential for better things to come along. Now, um, somebody did post about this on Twitter today, which was uh, our good friend Zach of the Blowing uh, Blowing Cartridges podcast, um, on which he talked about the episode that uh, I was on, uh, I was guesting on, which was centered around emulation and how things work. And I think I'm like, and I, I think we speak for the both of us when I say that we're very much of the sound in mind that if Nintendo aren't going to provide us a way to go back to play older catalog titles, specifically older catalog titles that are no longer purchasable, then there's really not a problem with emulation. If they give us a way to purchase them, then fine, we will purchase them. That is kind of the point, and that is like where we sort of draw the line. If if it is purchasable, we will do it. If mm-hmm. not, then yeah. emulating is really not that big of a deal, because there's no way to purchase it, and therefore there's no way to experience it. However, when you do this to new titles, and especially in a title like Metroid Dread, that is extremely important for the ecosystem of the series, and so will Prime Four. Prime Four will also be extremely important to the series then you're just, you're harming it. You're harming it really badly. 
And again, I've been having a lot of fun with this game and I hope people purchase this game because I think it's brilliant. It's got like, it's got a screenshot there that's like from like one of the first like big moments in the game is really badass. And I'm like, even just seeing that, I'm like, I don't want people to see that picture. It's a really good moment. <laughs> so it's bad enough putting that picture as the foreblown picture of your article, but then also telling people to go fucking emulate it really annoys me. Yeah, because especially when the because Kotaku they've you know recently they've got a new editor in chief and they're trying to basically turn the website around because Kotaku because was a really shit place for a long time. Yeah, Kotaku was really well known basically for getting links and information via Jason Schreier. And Jason Schreier he's moved on to Bloomberg and Kotaku. They've kind of had to re sort of shuffle things and re sort of imagine what the website represents. And they've been doing a lot more content and mainly. Um, articles that catch people's attention, but they're not necessarily for the right reasons. And I think this was one of them yeah. where it's just like a title being Metroid Dread is already running on Switch emulators. And while I think like most people can't be bothered to, you know, emulate <laughs> a game on their PC, there'll be plenty of people that will. Um, because like, even, even for me, like, you know, I prefer to play on Switch, so I'm not going to go to this much effort to actually play on my PC. I buy my games on Switch over PC anyway. Yep. for like the indie games and the stuff that actually makes sense. But they did update the article after a lot of a lot of backlash. So this is their update, quote, an earlier version of this story was under, uh, understood uh, by many readers to, to be a direct suggestion to illegally download this just-released game. We regret this interpretation. Kotaku believes emulation is a vital part of the... Uh, of the world of gaming, not least when it comes to the game preservation, while also not directly encouraging anyone to break the law and not download games they have purchased. Uh, we believe our readers are intelligent adults capable of making such choices for themselves independently from us. And you know what? Some of the article, they do, they do sort of just touch on Nintendo's sort of idea of the way they're preserving their games. And I do agree with that. I think that is a sort of a stance a lot of Nintendo fans agree with because like, you know, we want access to a lot of these classics and even the platforms they are covering being, being uh, NES and uh, SNES, like stuff like Earthbound and a lot of these games that we do want to play on our current devices, on our handheld devices, we just don't have access to. No. So it is, it is frustrating from that respect being like, all right, I want to play Earthbound. Um, you know, you can go and buy... You can have access to it on 3DS and Wii U, yes, but they they are platforms a lot of us aren't interested in picking up like new titles on, like spending active money on. I don't know. I still really enjoy my 3DS, but I wouldn't want to go back to Wii U, for example. No. And just like with like the conveniences of the Switch, which we've all become very accustomed to, just like, you know, these games that don't have like real uh, graphical sort of fidelity, uh, fidelity, fidelity and all that. Um, you know, we want to play them there. That's where we want to play them. Nintendo has made a really nice little device we want to play these games on. Hmm. So it is it is frustrating. So I agree with them there. But when it comes to like brand new games, it is like, all right, just... And it was obviously just put that way to get the attention. It's a bit of, bit annoying. I did see some people on Twitter being like, all right, this is enough. I blocked uh, Kotaku. Um, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, people people have sort of had enough of Kotaku. It's not not even that. Like no, it, it's it's shitty practice. Everything about it is just shitty fucking practice. Even just having that article up as it is right now, even though it is corrected, is shitty practice. Don't don't fucking bring light to this shit. There's a reason that it is kept in the dark. 
Um, not even just because, uh, you know, there are people that are like, oh, if I'm caught, I'm going to get in big legal trouble. No, a lot of it's kept in the dark so that more people don't fucking find it. Because there's no point. Like, support support the development. That's stupid. It's fucking, yeah, it beats me. These fucking Kotaku make me fucking mad, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean. Kotaku. I generally find though, like, I, it's not that I spend like a lot of time, but like Kotaku Australia, I find like some of their articles actually quite useful. I don't know how like merged they are, whether like Kotaku Australia is like a little bit separate, but I don't know. Anyway, frustrating. Let's move on. So I don't know what you think about this, Bryce, but since we've gotten a little bit more information about Pokemon Legends Arceus and uh, people have put put together a bit more of uh, what's going on with the, the world of uh, the Husui region, um, people have been sort of thinking to themselves like, oh, is this game actually open world? And we only- I've ca- considered this. Yeah. We've only come to that conclusion because like they basically did a parody of the Breath of the Wild trailer. <laughs> <laughs> with Legends Arceus. And we actually have a statement from the Pokemon company regarding this. So, quote, In Pokemon Legends Arceus, Jubilife Village will serve as the base for uh, surveying missions. After receiving an assignment or a request and preparing for their next excursion, players will set from the village to study one of the various open areas of the Husui region. After, after they finish the survey work, players will return once more to prepare for the next task. We look forward to sharing more information about exploring the Husui region soon. It's a semi-open world. Yeah. And like, you know, a lot of people are comparing this to Monster Hunter because you go back to the hub world. You like, you prepare your gear, you do your crafting, you do all that stuff to prepare for the next monster to take down. Make sure you're prepared for the next mission you've got to do. Mm -hmm. And this seems very much of, you know, that sort of formula rather than, uh, you know, Breath of the Wild sort of open world. And, you know, personally, it, it doesn't really bother me that much. I'm, no. I'm quite happy. It's just, it just depends. Like these areas, they are quite bigger. They're a lot bigger than say the wild area that was included in Pokemon um, Sword and Shield, all three of them. So just the idea of being like, all right, you still got like this big like, area to explore. And when you want to go to another area, you go back to Jubilife Village, you prepare and you go to the next area. Like it's not going to change it too much unless like you just really want that open world sort of like, no like load screen sort of experience which i can i can i can sort of sympathize with people but i think i think we all wanted that in some regard but i just think that if this if this is the way is it's going the way it is then it's probably for the better yeah well you know we're all sort of thinking like how is game freak going to pull off an open world pokemon game like just from the bat and you know what this might be the more preferred stepping stone to get there have like really, you know, hopefully smaller detailed worlds with like very specific things to do in each. Then, you know, you move on to the next one and that's how they'll sort of set up the wardens and the more sort of structured storyline. Because when, when, when we got idea of the wardens being a part of the game and like there's eight of them, very similar to gym leaders, you know, it's not going to be like the beasts in breath of the wild where it's just like, take down anyone you want in any order you want. It's like, I doubt it was ever going to be like that. It was going to be a specific way to do it. Mm-hmm. Even if it was open world and eventually you can walk from one side of the other to the other side when you've unlocked everything, you've got all the ways of trans- transportation with various Pokemon. Um, it's still, yeah, it still would have had a very structured story. 
which is you know which is fair enough because as you can see even with the the sequel to breath of the wild it's still taking a very long time those types of games are not a, a small endeavor to take on absolutely not so yeah, I, I'm I'm not even I'm, it doesn't bother me at all. I know some people might be like disappointed, but I think at at the end of the day, people are gonna have a, a good time with this game still. As long as you move in the same way and do you know the, the things that are advertised, then that doesn't bother me. Yeah, there's still like I don't think it needs to have like a and you know what like when you think about it, just thinking of like. The way that Breath of the Wild sort of handles things with like Hyrule Castle and stuff like that, um, and having you know Mount Coronet just in the middle of the map and like going, all right, I'm just gonna go climb Mount Coronet, like, yeah, it was never really gonna happen anyway. Yeah, probably. So yeah, I'm still pretty positive about it. Whenever I think about this game, I'm just like, well, by the time this game comes out, I'm I'm pretty much due to have my kid. <laughs> that's every time I think about it so I can't bother you too much <laughs> just like yeah got other things to worry about <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah. I'm just like oh, I'm really worried about this uh, the, the kid can wait I'm just very worried about this open world Pokemon game <laughs> uh, just uh, quickly we've got some more Pokemon news the Pokemon company and Universal Studios Japan have announced a brand new partnership Hooray. so um, I guess the original sort of partnership with Nintendo didn't include Pokemon but yeah, now it does. Mm. Uh, just reading from my Nintendo news, the Pokemon company and Universal Studios Japan announced a new collaborative partnership between the two entertainment leaders. Universal Studios Japan and the Pokemon company will enter a long-term partnership to jointly explore groundbreaking entertainment that will immerse guests into the world of Pokemon with interactive technologies and create creativity be- beginning in 2022. So we're going to get some theme parks and all of that. So hopefully... It's going to be a lot of fun when we can actually get over there. At this stage, Bryce, we're going to get to Nintendo World over in Japan. It's going to be uh, it's going to be knocked down and made into a car park or something <laughs> for for the Pokemon um, <laughs> for yeah. the Pokemon theme park before we even get there. Probably. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Have you looked at the videos of a uh, Nintendo World? Because yeah. people are actually going in there and doing vlogs and stuff. Yeah. It looks unreal. It looks very plastic, but it looks really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very keen to go. Yeah. It's just like I watched like a Yoshi ride. Yoshi. 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 <laughs> yeah, it looks like yeah, it's very slow just looking at it like, oh, look, there's uh, some grass with some small eggs in there. And you use like the, you know, I forgot if it was, I think it was like the uh, wrist brand you got. And you actually like, you know, had to like find the eggs as you're going through. It's very, um, you know, very much catered to the kids. I'd, I'd like it if there's like a really wicked fast roller coaster or something in there. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Just like a Rayquaza roller coaster. My God, that would be wicked in the Pokemon one. What would be a ride you'd want to go on in a Pokemon themed um, theme park? I reckon the Rayquaza roller coaster would be sick. Mega Rayquaza, riding that. I'll just stay at the Snorlax lunch bar. Fuck that. (laughs) You're not a a roller coaster man? Oh, absolutely not. I'm not a show ride guy. Fair enough. Never have been. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, we got some more information on the Animal Crossing New Horizons Direct. It's coming the 15th of October, so expect some more information on that. We've got roughly 20 minutes of information coming at us, uh, yeah, later this month. So I'm actually re- really looking forward to this. I've re-downloaded Animal Crossing on my OLED. I've moved over my save file, and I'm hoping, I'm really, I really am hoping this is like got some substantial content coming out where I'm like, all right, I'd like to play it again. Ross, I know it's not going to get you. I think you've said in the past, like, whatever. 
I'm not going to go back to Animal Crossing. But have you changed your mind since then? Or no, not really. Not really. Like, and unless it's like a huge, huge push forward, which it probably won't be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to go to the coffee bar again, though. So that'll be exciting. Oh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, <coughs> a brand new announcement from Rockstar that the. Uh, Grand Theft Auto the Trilogy Definitive Edition is coming to the Switch so that's cool it's coming to all platforms as well PlayStation 4, 5, 1 Series X Series S sorry if you prefer to play them there but it's coming to Switch so this is pretty cool because it's one of the first times the uh, Grand Theft Auto series is coming to um, Nintendo platform apart from Chinatown Wars on DS but these are like you know I guess like the proper mainline games from the PlayStation 2 Definitive of course. So, um, it does. We've got no screenshots or information about them apart from they are um, touched up versions. Hopefully, they will look a bit better because, like, you know, the PS2 versions, it's like, well, I, it's going to be hard to go back to just like looking at them. Hopefully, it'll be like a bit of fun in handheld mode, just like mucking around and stuff. That's what I can see myself doing. I'll just play Grand Theft Auto 3 and do the same thing I always did. What did you do? Smash through the car dealership door, grab the banshee and do sick tricks off of ramps. Yeah. So that's all I did. Like, you know, when I go to my friends' places, they all had PS2s. I never had my own. I didn't really feel the need to have my own. But it was like, oh, let's put on GTA and we'll muck around. And when you die or get busted, you hand over the controller. That's all That's all GTA was to me. I never did any of the story or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're a kid, you're like, all right, you got to go and deliver this prostitute. I'm like... What? <laughs> I, I just see them as pretty general general crime storylines. Like I'm not. Yeah. 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 I don't really get that invested in GTA. Yeah. So we'll see that later this year. Hopefully we'll get some information soon so we can actually decide whether it's going to be worth picking up or not. I'm sure it will be if you're a big fan of the trilogy on the PS2 slash Xbox. Mm-hmm. And the big news that we haven't covered yet on the show, which we we're very excited about. Uh, last week, Sora was confirmed to be coming to Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And this is very exciting for a lot of Kingdom Hearts fans, a lot of Smash Brothers fans. Sora was the most voted character people wanted all the way back in 2015, I think it was, for uh, the character poll which Sakurai put out. And, uh, you know, a lot of people wanted this. So we finally have it. Um, Sora was actually trending as well before the actual reveal. So people were like, just give it to us. It was pretty insane. So, you know, me not being a Kingdom Hearts fan, I'm like, you know what? I'm happy for everyone else. But even just watching Sora in action, I'm like, this is going to be a good character. I'm looking forward to it. Very, very different. We'll touch more on like Sora's moveset and what it's like to play when we actually get a feel of him when he comes to the game next week. So we'll touch on all that stuff next week. But just as far as the other stuff that got announced in the sort of the Sakurai's presentation, we got some brand new Mii fighters. The more noticeable one being Doom Guy or the protagonist from Doom. You can now dress up your me as <laughs> that guy. <laughs> as Doom Slayer. As the Doom Slayer. I'm just like, what? I do, I do like that he acknowledged. He's like, Doom Slayer. And then he's like, and, or otherwise affectionately known by most people as Doom Guy. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, uh, a bit of a shame. I don't think he'd get the music with him like he did some of the more. Oh, I, 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 so, I so wanted some of the music. Yeah. Which is a bit of a shame because, like, the Doom music, it rocks. It is really good. I just. <laughs> so having that in Smash would be really fantastic. Just want, I just want a BFG division. <laughs> That's all I wanted. Mm. But no. 
Um, we also got access to an octoling wig and a Judd hat. So Judd, for those that don't know, is like the the cat from Splatoon, which actually like announces who won the match with the flag on either side. Um, so you get a little Judd hat. I would have loved to. Judd would have been a really funny one to get a full costume. <laughs> yeah. uh, that'd be pretty cool. But we didn't. So it's very actually quite limited the amount of um, me fighter costumes we got in this drop. But pretty cool. Just a uh, Doom Slayer in general. Um, yeah, so we won't touch on Sora too much here, but just like it was funny that, you know, obviously Kingdom Hearts is the collaboration between Square Enix with Final Fantasy and Disney coming into the picture with all their IP um, coming into it. And we saw not, nothing from Disney IP apart from Mickey Mouse's like keychain on Sora. That's the only sort of hint of Disney we got. And, mm-hmm. you know, Sakurai sort of touched on like, what sort of minefield this was trying to get this character in the game. But obviously it was worth it for them because of just how much of a demand there was for this character. So what what do you think of the lack of Disney? Because personally for me, just seeing Sora there is like, oh, that's that's cool enough. You know, I'm not a big fan. So just seeing him without Donald and Goofy isn't such a big deal to me. But I know like someone like you or big, big Kingdom Hearts fans who've gone through the game and seeing... Seeing Sora without any of his partners in his final smash or anything like that is a bit strange. So what, what's your take on that? Look, it doesn't bother me <clears throat> in the sense that uh, I knew exactly what would happen if Sora was in the game anyway. So I've, I've, I came to peace with it a long time ago. Yeah. Right. I, I was, nev- was never going to get the same thing. It was always going to be very cut down, very watered down. Can't help it. Um. What I mean, I mean, it made me laugh. I have to say, throughout the entire the entire reveal and the entire discussion over Sora, not a single trace of Disney, and that made me laugh. I thought that was great. I thought that was funny. <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> I thought it was great. I thought it was funny because it, it happened exactly how I thought it would. <coughs> um, overall, though, God. overall though, uh, he looks great. The stage looks great. The music selections. Not too bad, but I feel like there's a lot more in there that they could have put in instead. Yeah, I really wanted to have Let It Go in there from Frozen. That would have been great to smash to. But. It, jokes aside, though, like it really does, it really does feel like the end. I mean, it is the end for Ultimate, but like it, it the way that trailer played out in the beginning. Felt like an end to Smash almost. It was almost a little bit depressing. Yeah, well, even on the lead up to it all, you know, it's like, man, this is the last character. It's a bit, it's a bit it feels like a finale to something we've been following on the podcast, something we've been playing, even before the game came out, something we've been anticipating just existing. <laughs> and like with the very first trailer, um, just being with the Inklings having a fight, then the the room going dark, the Smash logo coming up in fire, seeing it in the Inkling's eyeball. And then this is like the sequel to that trailer where all the characters are there and they're all sort of uh, amiibo-fied, trophy-fied. And Mario sort of reaches out to the flame and gets the gets the key and throws it, opens a portal for Sora to come in. And just like, just like with the sparkles and the light shining on um, Link's back and a couple of the other characters, the Sora's like entering through the portal. It's just like, Wow. So, you know, the Smash trailers have always been fantastic, but just this one evoking, like, even that even that was like that little bit of Disney magic that came through, mixed with Nintendo, mixed with just nostalgia of previous Smash announcements. Like, you know, it really hit me pretty hard. 
especially when, you know, Sakurai going towards the end, he's explaining all the statistics of like how popular the game is. Like this is how many billions of hours are put into the game. This is how many KOs, um, online matches, all of that. It's just like a, just a tremendous game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're going to be looking forward to playing this character when, when he comes out. And uh, I think for Reggie's Rec Room, we'll, we'll have a bit of a retrospective on some of the characters that got announced um, in Smash Ultimate through the actual game itself, the base game, and the two DLC packs. Before we get there, let's, uh, let's touch on some Red Coin... Recommendations. Not really recommendations. Red Coin releases. releases. I forgot we changed it to. Yeah. Hey, you're on the button, bro. Is it that one? Yeah, it might be, mate. Might be. Oh, oh. There you go. You have to turn it down for me too. Thank you, Bros. Thank you very much then, mate. Ooh, got a nice thing. So the obvious one is Metroid Dread. You can get it for $80 on the eShop. Actually, something funny happened with your Metroid Dread too. You actually ordered it online, didn't you? Then you're like, it's going to take two weeks. So you just downloaded it yep. on the eShop. Yep. So I'm going to return my physical copy. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> Because I was like, seriously, man, you're not going to play it for two weeks. That's a bit rough. I'm like, that, no, yeah. I'm like, there's no way. I'm like, it's not <laughs> happening. I'm like, if you think I'm waiting two weeks for this, this is ridiculous. So basically, I'm just going to get it. And they're like, what's your reason for returning? I'm going to be like, I fucking, I talk on a podcast about video games. You can send me a fucking new release game two weeks after it's out. No, take it back. <laughs> Big W, you can suck it. Next up is Tetris Effect Connected for 45 bucks. It's on... Uh, sale for 25% off from 60 bucks. So please go and get that one if you like a really nice version of Tetris. <coughs> Next one is one I haven't played yet, but Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania is out. Banana Mania. Banana Mania. Banana Mania. So I just read in here, so if you don't know what banana, uh, Super Monkey Ball is. Banana Mania. <laughs> fucking hell, you're going to make me just say it. <laughs> so roll through Wondrous Worlds with. Uh, what's his name again? AA. Aye, aye. Aye, aye. I know. And friends, as you race to stop monkey and mad scientist Dr. B- Bad Boon from blowing up Jungle Island, join the all-star monkey team as I.I., Mimi, Gon Gon, and baby Yan Yan, and, and Doctor as you bounce, tilt, and roll your way across hundreds of delightfully crafted levels and mazes. It's monkey business for the gang as you take down Dr. Bad Boon and steal back your beloved bananas. So go and check that, that one out for 55 bucks on the eShop or wherever you buy your games from Big W Online, which makes you wait for two weeks. Beautiful. Beautiful stuff. And uh, one I actually bought on the Xbox, which I haven't tried yet, I haven't turned it on yet, is Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. And I bought this because it has Brawl in the title, and I like Super Smash Bros. Brawl, and this one, you jump around like it. It's actually interesting because I checked out the Metacritic. I actually had no idea how this game reviewed. It was on sale for a pre-order bonus. Um, but it's it's not going too bad. It's going... This Metacritic is 67. And personally, if this game was like... If it was good, and it was like, you know, getting around sixes, I'd be happy with it. You know, I'm just jumping around as buddy Aang from Avatar and hitting people. Something a bit different to like your typical Smash experience. So I wasn't wasn't too worried about that, but... Keen to, keen to play it. I got it on Xbox because I wasn't 100% uh, convinced that like the port on the Switch would be great. But anyway, the blurb reads, uh, Brawl it out as your favorite Nickelodeon characters in bombastic platform battles. That's a good way to put it. Bombastic platform battles. Uh, with a power-packed cast of heroes from the Nickelodeon universe face off with 
uh, with all stars from SpongeBob SquarePants, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Loud House, Danny Phantom, Ah, Real Monsters, and The Wild Thornberries. Hey Arnold, Rugrats, and more to determine the ultimate animation donaments. 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 My mouth is broken in some words, eh? Uh, with unique move sets and attacks inspired by their personalities, each character has an individual style of play, enabling endless action for Nickelodeon's legions of fans. Select your favorite, then uh, then let the intense brawls begin in online and local multiplayer action. Go intense, baby. So check that one out for 70 bucks on the eShop. It was on sale for like a pre-order bonus for $55, which is a little bit more suitable, I feel. So anyway, Bryce, that's the Red Coin releases this week. There also was another game, No Longer Home, but we've already, the music's already finished, so it's too bad. <laughs> too bad. But uh, that game does look interesting. It is like a nice little indie game. You can get for $15. It's very much like a storytelling game about like real life scenarios. It looks interesting. Check it out on the eShop. Beautiful. All right, Bryce. Let's uh, let's dig into some of the characters that have been announced over the course of Super Smash Brothers um, Ultimate. Are you wanna, oh, where's your, Reggie's Rec Room? We haven't been there in a long time, have we? I know. We've got to stop being rude. You've got to turn that one right up too. Reggie here. There you go. Thank you for your never-ending support for giving me a mushroom kingdom full of incredible memories that I will never forget. Ever. Cracking a drink with Reggie. It's always a good time here at the house of Mario Bryce. It is. Has he been cleaning the room? No. Bloody hell, Reggie. I told you about the fungus that's growing in the room. I did a whole episode where I mentioned it. There's a lot of fungus in the room. I don't know whether he's trying to cultivate it enough to make some mushrooms or what he's going to do. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. No, I don't know either. Anyway, let's talk about uh, the characters that were introduced in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate over the last three years, which, you know, this game being that old already is just like, it's kind of upset me a little bit. Maybe <laughs> makes me feel a bit old. Crazy. But let's uh, let's go through all the trailers as uh, as we've got them here on a YouTube video, which we will you know discuss them in audio form, obviously. Um, the first one being the trailer we touched on before, just announcing the game existed, no gameplay or anything. We're going to get more information at E3 2018. Yep. Yes. So this was at the start of the year where we got information that you know, Smash was in existence. And it was just with that big Smash logo in the Inkling's eye as uh, all the characters were revealed there. And, man, I was so excited for this one. I've said the story before, but just being, like, in the car watching that direct, I'm like, I really wish I was recording this one. I wish I was at home with my camera, with my microphone, all that, and just been like, my reaction was just like, yes! (laughs) Fuck yes! Like, were you in a similar way? Like, we're just aching for Smash on Switch. Yeah, yeah. We didn't want to go back to Wii U, like... There was one thing of like playing Brawl for years, just like in Wii form <laughs> and just wanting the HD version on Wii U. But yeah, just we just want to sit there on the couch and play with on our Switches. I don't want to bring out the Wii U. The Wii U was a distant memory at this point. Then it was. So a year later. <laughs> but just at E3 that year, the trailer that actually announced that all the characters were coming back and it slowly starts off being like, here is Mario, here is Pikachu, here is Luigi, here is Kirby. Like, yeah, 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 cool, cool. Here's Ice Climbers and everybody shit their pants. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, it, then it kicks into like where Snake teleports in with his box. Then it just goes, everyone is here. Yeah. yeah. And that was a moment where it's just like, oh my God. Just like all the characters. Because nobody expected, expected Snake back. Yeah. And even like hours later where we're sort of like looking at the characters that were returning to this game. We're like, what? Like they said everyone, but it took a long time for it to sink in. Just being like, wait, even Pichu's back? Okay. All right. Is uh, Ice Climbers are back? Because God forbid the 3DS. Cloud's back? Like what? Yeah, Yeah. Like, you know, the characters that they got through the DLC, which would have been pretty difficult to get back via, you know, just uh, licensing rights and stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, the big disappointment, I think, of this trailer was everyone was checking out Snake's ass. Snake had a glorious ass in Super Smash Brothers Brawl with the camera. You know, you zoom right up. He's got like a real. He's got curves, but uh, no know, longer does he have a butt. No curves. So you know, Sakurai. He's playing pretty loose with the the ultimate naming in this game because mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. it's not Snake's ass. Just no, isn't there. Yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> that's right. He says. That's right. But then we get like a. It's a real shame. At the same E3, we get an announcement that uh, Daisy is an Echo character. Yep. For Peach, yeah, which is did. cool. Yeah. Like the Echo characters were a great way of just like bringing characters in uh, to the game that we would like to see. Like there's no reason we wouldn't want Daisy in there. But we also don't need just a recreation of Peach. You know, just a bit different with a different skin. And that sort of helps uh, get the characters in there because the, the uh, developers don't have to like put so much time into like Daisy, which at the end of the day isn't going to like, you know, drive, drive <laughs> yeah. sales. No, it's not. No. <laughs> well, it might for some people, but not most. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the big one was Ridley. Ridley was a, just an absolute crazy sort of announcement. That trailer, Jesus Christ. Mm. Yeah, that trailer was nuts. It was just like real real dark and tense. Freaking everybody being picked off like flies. Yeah. And for a long time, you know, people ha- have wanted another Metroid representative, yeah, apart from just like variations of Samus. And Ridley was a pretty, you know, obvious one, being like the main bad guy from a lot of the games. And... Just, you know, Sakurai's like, you know, Ridley is a massive being in these, in like the Metroid games. So yeah. putting him into Smash Brothers, he's going to be disproportionate. It's not going to work. And uh, I think, uh, you know, there's enough crying on the internet for Sakurai said, you know what, I'm going to put Ridley in. Because Ultimate, I think, really was like Sakurai being like, I'm going to do everything the like, fans want. Yeah, and com- if I can satisfy them. Yeah. And we'll get to that at the end of these, like, discussions but we'll discuss like did he succeed in that respect yeah yeah um but yeah ridley obviously not as big as you'd see him in super smash brothers brawl a part of the story mode yeah that's right yeah. not as big as like you know in the metroid games because ridley is a big boy i'd like to, i'd like to make very well known too that this is where the don't ask me for anything again meme started for sakurai <laughs> yes because this is literally something he was very much against and still did it anyway mm. yeah and you know what just, uh, you know, against Sakurai, Ridley works fine <laughs> being smaller. Yeah, yeah, but I th- I, it does take out some of the... He's obviously not as menacing because he's the no, same size as Sakurai. Yeah, Sam's. that's what I mean is that, like, he's not as intimidating, which, which is kind of like half his character. He's a giant pterodactyl for fuck's sake. Like, mm. yeah, honestly, like, the menacing part was, like, 90% of Ridley. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, next they, they, up... They should have just let us play as, like... A character that took up half the screen. Well, that's no, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next, next up was Simon and Richter Belmont, which was obviously uh, huge having Castlevania representatives in the game. Obviously, Castlevania is just as uh, funny. Funnily enough, coming off of the back of a Metroid 
uh, announcement right there um, is a yeah. huge part of huge part of gaming history. Um, they, you know, we have Metroidvanias as a uh, a pseudonymed name for a genre, a, a genre uh, for a very good reason. Um, uh, they both both Castlevania and Metroid, in that respect, you know, they were they were very famous in leading the way for this sort of like maze like exploration type of platformer. Um, and with Castlevania finally being represented, not in not only just uh, the one character, but two. Uh, was uh, something something quite big, really? Yeah, yeah. Because Castlevania is just like a massive part of Nintendo's history on Absolutely, NES and yeah. even, even Super Nintendo. You know, eventually it went to the PlayStation and you know become sort of like a, a symbol over there. But mm-hmm. for like you know retro sort of Nintendo fans, even on the GBA, man, some G, the GBA, uh, some yeah, of the GBA of ones are considered the best Castlevania games. Yeah, with yeah. a collection just coming out as well. Yeah. Which I'm keen to get, actually. But just, you know, so much else is coming out. But <laughs> At the moment, if, it's ridiculously hard. I don't know if I'm going to find the time to go back to some Game Boy Advance games. But it's definitely it's, it's in the wish list, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah. But yeah, these characters are really great. I I love playing them. I haven't played as either of those in a long time. You I know? love playing Richter. <laughs> you know, with so many characters in the game, there's 89 characters there certainly is. in this game now. You know, I've got like my 10 <laughs> and I never touched like... Freaking 70 so characters. It's nuts. Just need to play on random more and um, enjoy some other characters. Oh, I, I don't mind touching most of them. I think most of them are pretty good. I like touching them as well. Uh, yeah. I like touching Kirby especially. Um, next up, we got Krom, which is a character from Fire Emblem Awakening that a lot of people wanted. Yeah. It was funny. In the Wii, in the Wii U version, we got an announcement trailer for Lucina, um, yeah. who is, you know... Krom's child... Yeah, I was trying to trying to work my way around that, but basically, well, I, I think <laughs> they put the reference in the game, and I think everybody knows at this point. Awakening is quite old now. Let's know, just I, let's let's be real. I know it's been long enough, but just in case, just in case. But anyway, like at the end of that trailer, you know, Crom uh, got defeated and said, "Oh, like he's defeated on the ground." He's like, "Maybe next time." And here he is, next yeah, time. Yeah, there he is. He's like a weird. He's like a weird mashup between Roy and Marth, uh, and a little bit of Ike is in there too yeah. with his uh, up B. Um, very, uh, very relatively balanced character overall, with a little bit more power behind him, um, with uh, some sort of Marthy kind of stuff, I suppose. Yeah, is yeah. is actually an Echo character, but actually it's mixed up enough. He doesn't actually feel that much of an Echo. Yeah, that's Com- right. Compared yeah. to Daisy or Dark. Oh, yeah, yeah, Dark yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, yeah. So, yeah, just watching back the trailers, I'm like, I should play more as um, more as Crom because I think I'd actually quite enjoy him. I just, you know, yeah. when, when the game comes out, he's not one of the more interesting new characters compared to, you know, K. Rool, Ridley, you know. Yeah, that's right, yeah. A lot of these characters. Yeah. But uh, Dark Samus, another um, Echo character that got announced in the same trailer. Yeah. Pretty cool. Another Metroid character, that, which we've been lacking for a long time, even if it is a very basic reskin of Samus, which is a bit more floaty, a bit more sort of mysterious looking. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, personally, I haven't played a lot of Dark Samus. I don't really get along with it that well. Mm-hmm. But anyway. It's sort of it's sort of just a, it, it is it is a Samus Echo and therefore you're not really seeing way too much. A lot of people actually think that Dark Samus is competitively better than normal Samus, which is kind of a shame to be honest. Mm. Um, but uh, I personally don't like how floaty Dark Samus is. So I just, I, I stay away from Dark Samus usually. Yeah, same yeah. here. 
Um, so next up was a, a huge one at the time. Uh, King K. Rule got announced and this was... Something we thought would never happen. Yeah, and the trailer was fantastic. It just has like Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong in their sort of hideout in their house, just chilling out. And uh, there's just like this big fake out moment where it's just like, it's just it's like, what's that? Is that is that King K. Rule? Is that one of the, like, you know, the, the rare characters coming back from, you know, Donkey Kong Country? <laughs> oh, no, it's just King Diddy. Haha, <laughs> joke, joke, trolled us, got us. But obviously that's not going to be the trailer and it's going to finish. Uh, King K. Rule drops down and just smacks DDD in the head and bang, is in Smash, which was, you know, a big moment. This was really exciting. A lot of Donkey Kong Country fr- fans and more representation for the Donkey Kong franchise, apart from just like the mainstays who you would play as in the game. But it was a really great touch and K. Rule actually turned out to be a lot of fun. At launch, he was... You know, I can bust it. I don't know if he was busted or we just didn't know how to handle him because he was a bit different. He had that super armor. He had like, you know, he was pretty fast as well. He wasn't a slow, heavy character. He had a lot to him. But I feel like over time it's been sorted out. I think, yeah, whether, I think so too. whether it's f- through updates or us just being like, all right, no, no, I know. He's definitely more manageable than he was before. Mm. Definitely. Um, He's not so hard to fight against now. He's still kind of annoying with the amount of mobility that he's got. But otherwise, he's fine. Yeah. His, his crown's not as intimidating as it once was and stuff like that. that. That was the major problem is he could just projectile the fuck and... He just runs to one side of the screen. He's just like, throw him a crown, do a cannonball. Some, yeah, anybody that's close to suck him up and blow them away. And then like anybody knocks me off the edge, I can literally fly the entire length of the fucking... <laughs> That's right. He's up B. He was nuts. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they did They did nerf him down a little bit, which is great. Next up is Isabel from Animal Crossing. And this was a fun announcement trailer. Um, at the time, we didn't have Animal Crossing on the Switch. So just it, it very much starts off looking like Animal Crossing gameplay. You have Isabel basically saying like, oh, the mayor, he's too busy. <laughs> he's too busy being in Super Smash Brothers. I've got so much work to do. And then she ends up getting a an invitation through the uh, the mailman Pete, which was interesting. Event Isabel's in the in the game as well. Plays pretty kind of very similar to Villager, apart from just her tools. Her tools are very different. She's got like the fishing rod and she, the way she uses like um, what are those things called in Animal Crossing? The the uh, the things with faces and you can put them in your room. Gyros. Yeah, gyroids. Yeah, she uses them very differently as well. She actually just plants them. I am. Um, I do want to emphasize, actually, now that I think about it, now that we've just had this last DLC pack announced, officially, by canon, Isabel and Doomslayer exist in the same game. Yeah, yeah. So now, can, can so have, now, so now, the meme is real. You the can meme have them face real. each other. For those of her, for those who might not remember or don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons and Doom Eternal shared the same release day. So there was a huge uh, like partnership thing um, made by, uh, well, made by people. Um, Fans. Yeah. yeah. And developers. They, they got in on it too. Um, that uh, <laughs> of putting like, uh, I guess, Isabel in Doom situations and Doomslayer in... Animal Crossing situations or like I love it making yeah. making the titles of their games look respective to one another and stuff like that and it was just yeah it was a lot of wholesomeness all around in some ways and uh, yeah I, I guess now yeah it finally has like sort of come full circle they are in a game together it seems like it have actually like really taken on that sort of collaborative uh, aspect with Nintendo because well not with Nintendo but even with the Metroid Dread 
uh, release. They actually announced, uh, well, not announced, but um, put together a collaboration artwork mm-hmm. between Doom and Metroid for that as well. Yeah. So it seems to be the thing they're doing for a few Nintendo franchises just to be like, hey, like, you know, Nintendo is pretty much... Buy us, Nintendo, please. <laughs> too late now. <laughs> I think Microsoft paid a little bit more than Nintendo would yeah. uh, for it, but... Yeah, no, it's, it's cool to see um, yeah, Isabel in there, some more Animal Crossing stuff. Yeah. Next up, we got uh, the Ken. Echo Fighter Ken, who was in the same trailer as Incineroar, which yep. was a, a cool Generation 6 Pokemon, one of the starter Pokemon evolving from Litten, who you could choose at the very start of the game. Um, yeah, the, th- the thing about Incineroar is um, he's pretty cool. He's the wrestling Pokemon, but he will he will not be able to get back very easily. No, he'll yeah, die. Yeah. His up B is pretty much self-destruct. <laughs> he just dives right down. It's a very powerful move when you're on the stage, but if you want to recover, it's not so good. But I do enjoy using uh, using Incineroar. I'm not any good at him necessarily, but mm-hmm. he's a yeah. fun character regardless. Yeah, yeah he's a yeah. very um, good counter potential. The next up was the very first downloadable uh, fighter in the in the game. So Piranha Plant, it wasn't really a part of the the first DLC pack. No, it was free character. Yeah. If yeah. you bought the game in the first month or two, you two got months. him yeah. two months. Yeah, you got him for free. Uh, otherwise, you would have to buy him for about seven bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but Piranha Plant is such a dumb character. But I really like Piranha Plant. He's fun. Yeah. Piranha Plant's so much fun. I love his uh, down B and being able to like extend his neck <laughs> and having like that attack. You playing online community nights when you were playing Piranha Plant. Oh my fucking god! I was getting so fucking mad. At that. <laughs> Why? Because I'm a why, was it like a troll getting mad at or because like I did all right with him? What was your what was your take there? Because you're in like, I'm like like trying to recover from the ledge and I just see you withdrawing back into that pot. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> don't you fucking dare get away. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. I'm, I'm in the pot. I'm in the pot. <laughs> so yeah, Piranha Plant. I think a lot of people are like, what the hell? He's good though. But yeah. I, lo- I love Piranha Plant. Yeah. And like he didn't get like a massive sort of open like uh, trailer, but just like he got little interesting gameplay snippets, a bit like a machinima kind of put together. Just having like Mario go towards this piranha plant and get mucked up by him, pretty cool. All right, so let's move on to the very first character in the first DLC season pass. That was Joker. Got announced at 2018 Game Awards, and this was one of like. Nintendo's big announcements at that at that show. Yep. And this was this was massive because like this opened opened people's eyes to what characters could be included with this pass. Being a Joker being from an exclusive PlayStation game Persona 5. You know, Persona's been on uh, like 3DS and stuff in the past, but never like a mainline title. It's been like what were those Persona games on 3DS? Persona the Q. Games. Yeah, Q, that's right. So like, you know, technically um, Joker was the protagonist or in, involved in those games, but it very much said Joker from Persona 5. Yes. So everyone's like, oh my God. So can this mean we can get like Master Chief and God knows, you know, everyone's imagination just went wild with this. And, you know, people were very, very excited. Like, all right, when's Persona 5 coming to Switch? It must be coming soon because that would make sense. No. <laughs> no, we're in, uh, we're in 2021 and... Still, still we, no. We have um, Persona Five Strikers, but we don't have. Yeah, yeah. A bit frustrating, but it's very cool that uh, we had this franchise come to Smash Brothers. I didn't play a whole lot of Joker, personally. Did you play much as him? Did you like bring? No, I played a bit, but I never really got good with him. 
Yeah, so you never put him like you know under your wing type of thing as no. a as a main character. No, no fair enough. Uh, next up, we have Hero from the Dragon Quest franchise. So we actually have all of the heroes from the um from the games. At least like, at least how many of them are included? How many skins is it, is it four of them or is it eight? Must be four. Then they've got two alternatives each. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So you have four of them from like Dragon. You have one from Dragon Quest, uh, eleven. Uh, must be ones from PS2. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how a lot about Dragon Quest, but it was cool. It's a cool character. I really actually really liked Hero. Just like this was one of the characters, the most versatile characters, just with the spells. Yeah. Being able to um just like select from a, a random list of four each time. So, you know, you've got to very, very quickly react to like what tools you're given at that very instant. And like you've got some, you've got some, sort of attacks in that, but like a self-destruct and things that you won't want to hit under like some circumstances. Like if you're about, if you're like 200% and your enemy's, you know, about 50, you can self-destruct and just like get that stock down and it doesn't really matter. But if you're like full health and you just self-destruct, it's no good. <laughs> no, no. So yeah, it's just a really, really nice character because it could, Sakurai could have very well just been like, yeah, it's the guy with a sword and he hits people <laughs> and his B just shoots out a lightning bolt and that's pretty much it. Yeah, but he didn't. Yeah, he made an effort. Yeah, the team really did, you know, kind of go balls to the wall with this one. Mm-hmm. So really cool seeing Dragon Quest being represented here in this way. The stage was fantastic too. This was one of the first stages that actually like took you on a, well, in the DLC packs anyway, but took you on a tour throughout like a few locations um, throughout the series, which we would see in a lot of the other ones as well. Uh, Bros, this is uh, this is one that made you just actually cry. Um, E3, Banjo Kazooie was mm-hmm. announced, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was just absolutely crazy. Yeah. Actually, yeah, um, Hero and Banjo Kazooie were both at E3, weren't they? they? Certainly were, yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. I thought they were at the same um, yep. presentation. But Banjo Kazooie, yeah, just a, a favorite of yours from Nintendo sixty four. You've been wanting this character Since to be in like, Smash, mm-hmm. yeah, f- for so long, and sort of uh, the rights and how this character was uh, you know, represented by Microsoft. You know, it seemed that it was a bit hard to do, but they made it happen. Yeah, that's right. They did, yeah. Um, so with this, with this, the trailer sort of started off in the same way that uh, King K. Rules did, which immediately, immediately brought everybody into hype mode because they're just like, if we're seeing Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong on screen in this scenario, it has to be rare. And funnily enough, yeah, it was. I did it the exact same way they did with the with the King K. Rool reveal. So yeah. by the time the trailer had already started up, we knew it was coming. We knew it was happening. We all got very excited. That jiggy bouncing along the floor and stuff like that. And we were just like, oh, my God, this this can't be real. But it was. It was real. It was so very incredibly real. And all all Banjo fans on the planet could do nothing but just squeal. <laughs> I was so so happy for you. Like, uh, I, I was keen to have that character in the game just just because it needed to be there. Yeah, it's a very important character to, especially the Nintendo sixty four generation of gamers. But just uh, just even the logistics of getting him there was just like wow. But it's 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 not only just done that too though, but it's also set up set like like the potential for. What we've what we've now got in and uh, Nintendo Switch Online, we're actually getting Banjo Kazooie in the pack. Um, 
they said a little bit after release, which, by the way, when did we we still haven't got a definitive date for this month, do we? When Nintendo sixty four? No, not yet. They said they'll tell us in October for pricing and release date. So okay, cool. Um, so uh, basically, you know, that set up the potential to actually bring them back to the con back to their home, the, the old home, Nintendo. So now we've got Banjo Kazooie coming back to sw- uh, to switch through Nintendo Switch Online as a result, and that that to me is fantastic because it means that more people get to play it. Uh, Banjo Kazooie was one of my favorite; it still is one of my favorite games. I reckon. Um, yeah, absolutely, it is. Uh, it um, is easily probably the highest highest quality platformer on uh, on Nintendo sixty four by far. Uh, and um, the amount of charm and character that was brought to me in those childhood childhood days with these two characters was just absolutely nuts. So I wanted nothing more than to have them in, in my game of Smash and their reveal trailer was just absolutely perfect and I was so happy to see them here. Next up we have Terry. And this is a character you really I latched fucking onto. I love Terry, yeah. Terry's great. Mm. Terry's dope. <laughs> Everything about Terry is great. Um, it's it, he kind of operates the way that I wish Ken and Ryu did, uh, and I guess I don't have to wish Ken and Ryu did now if I got if I got Terry. Um, <laughs> just everything like everything about him is like he still reacts with inputs and stuff like that, but he doesn't feel like he's so disconnected from the actual game of Smash. He actually feels like he he can sort of just belong there, and you don't have to worry about the combos too much, and they don't affect all that much until you get your one hundred percent and you get your KO. Uh, your KO meter, uh, your KO meter moves are ridiculously powerful, and they do require combo inputs to, inputs to pull off, which make them feel satisfying. Um, they're not a requirement in order to sort of just pull off, like say, like you got Shin Hadoken on uh, Ken and Ryu, which, you know, they are objectively better, but they are objectively the same move as the regular Hadouken. So they don't feel that important to pull off if they're just going to be that much harder and they're only going to do a bit more, as opposed to Terry's inputs, where they're actually not that much different. You can do the inputs, but the power, I think, I believe, is not any different from their regular, like, input of B and direction. Um, But... uh, the KO moves, the KO moves, um, they're ultra powerful, require inputs and good execution to pull them off and you get rewarded as a result in such an intense way that it makes you feel like heaps better about it. So uh, Terry, that with his uh, little English idealisms, like, come on and are you okay? And Stuff like that. Like, I just love everything about the character. I think he's great. And, like, leading, reading back into the background lore and stuff like that it actually makes me want to get invested and uh, check out the Fate of Fury games throughout the, uh, the time, simply through the one character. So that's pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's one of the Sakurai presents I found super interesting because he just went... He's so invested in it. Yeah, he's just like, all right, here's a super detailed breakdown of the Neo Geo, the Fatal Fury, the Fatal Fury franchise, why it's so important to just fighting games in general. He really explained it to people because he's like him and the team are pretty, pretty well aware, but you know, a lot of people aren't going to know this. So let's lay it out and give like a little bit of like a 
documentary almost of being like, yeah, this is why this ga- this character and this franchise are important. Mm-hmm. Why I wanted it included in this game and uh, why you should care about it, which is really great. Um, what I really liked about sort of this inclusion as well is the stage you got with it. How it wasn't just like knock them off the edge. You actually had to like hit break them, them through the wall. Yeah, had to like break so them through the wall. Cool. <laughs> and it was yeah, it was really fun because like I feel like in these games the custom stage editor isn't where I want it to be. No, yeah. Whereas in past games it was, I feel like. But you know, this sort of adds that bit of fun you'd expect from like you know just making a box and trying to smash yourself out of like one hole at the top. Yeah. Which you used to do. It's yeah. sort of like similar to that where it's just like you get a good smash. But God, it's like, those were the days. <laughs> and like, you know, the gameplay slows down. It's like, oh, it wasn't quite hard enough to get through the wall. But when it when it just goes through the wall, it's boosh when you're out. It's like, oh, it's so just uh, if I could hold on that one extra bit, it's just a, it's just a really special stage, which, uh, you know, we don't play on anywhere near enough because we're always playing Final Destination. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the last one, last character for the first season pass, the first fighters pass uh, was Byleth from Fire Emblem Three Houses. And, uh, you know, this character, a lot a lot of people will poo-poo it because, ah, oh, it's another Fire Emblem character. It's boring. And you know what? It kind of is from, like, that perspective. It's no Joker from Persona 5. It's no, like, you know, Crash Bandicoot, what people were, like, itching for because, you know, we don't want fucking Crash Bandicoot anyway, guys, let's be honest here. But Byleth... I really loved using Byleth. I, mm. I love how they use like the each direction was a certain weapon throughout the games as well. And I love how in the trailer is as well when um you know they send Byleth out there. It's like you join Smash, the Byleth is out there just hitting with the sword and he comes back being like, Oh, all injured and you know, they they play on the joke like, Oh, you're just another <laughs> you're just another sword fighter, you know? But we're gonna change things up. So then that's when they get the weapons to actually use instead of just the sword. And they just do a play on of like the community being like, oh, another sword fighter. Yeah, because yeah. there are a lot of sword fighters, but what kind, what kind of characters do people expect? So there's like... You get a fist fighter or you get a weapon fighter. Yeah, you got you got swords, you got fists. You're not going to have a proje- necessarily a projectiles only character. That'll be a bit strange. I know like... Yeah, bait- no, I don't know, Richter and Simon are almost that. Yeah, true, true. They've got... Their whip is like pretty long range as well. Yeah, yeah. Bayonetta, I guess, with like the fists and that. That could be, you got to have a bit of space between you for that. Maybe. But anyway, I like how they played on the community's sort of like disdain for another sword fighter, which yeah. was really funny. That was actually like a laugh out loud moment. Yeah, that's right. So, and besides that, I enjoyed the character, so who gives a shit? Yeah. Because like, yeah, we said this before, Fire Emblem Three Houses, it needs representation in the Smash yep. on Switch because yep. that is, yeah. It is a game on Switch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So then we're starting on the second pack. We've got Min Min from ARMS. I was happy to see ARMS represent. Uh, I was happy to see uh, Min, Min, Min Min be the pick too. Like the thing is, is like with this one, it was like with ARMS, it was like a lot of people were like, oh, Springman. But um, when when they talked about it, uh, when Sakurai talked about it to, I can't remember what the developers, the dev, the dev head's name is, I can't remember. Um, but uh, he basically said, uh, so what character can we have for arms? Well, who's, who do you consider the main character? And he's just like, I consider everybody the main character. So, <laughs> so okay, Sakurai so. was just free to pick whatever fucking character he wanted from arms and he picked Min Min and Min Min was my personal favorite. So I loved it. Uh, we're watching we're watching these trailers back as we talk about them and there was like a really goofy little style for this as well. 
um, where they did a really unique animated trailer where it goes through all the arms characters and fighting over the invitations to yeah. get into Smash. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then it just uh, it gets snapped up by Min Min somehow throughout the course of it. I can't remember exactly how, but we'll find out in a second. Um, she just goes in and grabs it and then just smashes like the other two characters out out of the arena and everyone cheers and she's in Smash. Yeah, and then uh, Captain Falcon's also eating ramen with Kirby, which is also uh, fun. <laughs> it's yeah. great. So, like, I haven't really played much Min Min since, to be honest, but she was a fun character because, like, you can, like, change up the weapons weapons on each arm. You can, like, roughly control their the trajectory as well. Yeah. Which is yeah, pretty cool. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, having an arms character is really cool because they announced that, like, the first character in the DLC pass was going to be a character from ARMS. There was a big sort of space between that amount of time. Like, we're like, oh, who's it going to be? So it wasn't like, oh, look, ARMS is here because we knew it was going to be ARMS for like a month or so before we actually got the character. Yeah. It's just interesting in the prospect that I, like, they kind of treated it as if like, oh, (laughs) ARMS characters play really different from each other. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they do. Like, like Min 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 was one of the more like... uh, sort of special characters in this game just with how like her projectiles work like having that dragon arm yeah. as well yeah, and how it does right. like a like a, a blast at the end when it opens and stuff like that yeah. you've got a real heavy ball as well so yeah uh, next up we have Steve from Minecraft this was a, this was a big one another Microsoft yeah, technically character yeah. uh, introduced in the game plays very very different to a lot of the other characters um, even to the point where Sakurai said, like, you know, when we introduced this character, we had to, like, re go back to all the stages and sort of redesign them to work with, like, the cube by cube sort of aspect of this character. <laughs> it's crazy how that is. Like, it's, it's all these characters, it's crazy, like, how much work goes into it. Because it's not just been like, all right, so, you know, you make it down B, up, up B, you know, just do the moves, do the model, and that's it. Like, Kirby needs to have a, a brand new ability you know, the brand new stages and just like with this character in particular, it's just like the amount of work was insane. Yes, just it the, was, just yeah. the programming. Even just being like, all right, um, this is like a more metal looking surface. So when you're sort of, <laughs> when you're looking for metals and like stuff to actually make your attacks, this is metal, this is wood, this is whatever. In Final Destination, it's just like, it cycles through all of them. So it was just like, man. And like personally for me, <laughs> I actually played as... I played random the other day on stream and I got Steve and I'm like, fuck, I cannot remember how to use Steve at all. And I was <laughs> nah, like, Steve is likely a character I'll never touch. <laughs> very, very different. Very, He's very unique. technical to like very technical to play. You're like all, all these characters, they kept on surprising me just being like how much work went into each of them and how different they were because Steve could have very well just been basic as anything, yeah, but they even like in, included like his crafting table like everything was there, but you wouldn't even think of. But just like that's that's what makes like these games super special compared to other you know even fighting games or yeah. That's why like you know Nickelode- Nickelodeon All Stars. They're not going to put that much effort into like SpongeBob. It's just going to punch and kick, and that's going to be about it. It's just going to be SpongeBob, bro. Yeah, he's not going to be a mechanic where he fills up with water and becomes more heavy. And <laughs> you know, yeah, he's not being able to knock off as easy, but his attacks are slower. You know, that's what Sakurai would do. He's like, oh no, he got wet, so he's just slow as anything, but he's just dense. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, dense Bob. Um, and uh, next up we have Sephiroth, the villain from Final Fantasy VII. So yeah, 
So this was pretty crazy getting a, another Final Fantasy representative. This was crazy, yeah. No, like it. I mean, it's under the same prospect of um, God. I guess like Ryu and Ken in 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 some ways, or um, King K. Rule sort of being introduced or whatever. You know, they kind of just like we have a really big character here in terms of name, but you know, arguably the villain is also just as big in name, or the rival is just as big in name. So. Mm-hmm. They were like, all right, we better put Sephiroth. <laughs> and I mean, I'm glad they did. Sephiroth is like... He's fun. He's he, Well, yeah, but he not only that, but he's like a quintessential JRPG villain. Mm, true, which they don't have. No, they don't. Yeah, yeah they don't really have a, a big old JRPG villain that sort of fits the same level as what Sephiroth does. Um, he's a huge, huge important figure of in gaming history, and like a lot of the FMV cutscenes that came out of Final Fantasy VII to this day are very, very famous and notable points in gaming history, and a lot of them involve him. So it, it is, it is like. He represents an era of, like, not only just Final Fantasy, but I guess gaming as well. Yeah, true. true. Um, much as much as like what Cloud does, so it is it is good to see them both here. Um, they definitely sort of set high standards for like the PlayStation One that uh, you know see it see it as one of the most highly regarded consoles of all time up until this point. So. And, you know, Sephiroth and Cloud, they have a big part to play in that and their relationship, they can never go without one another. They are, in any game they're present in, whether it be uh, Kingdom Hearts or Smash or their own game or their spin-offs, like Sephiroth is always present whenever Cloud is around. There is no, no ifs and all buts. Yeah, and like I think that's what Ultimate did really well is just bringing the villains into the picture as well because we had like a bit of a lack of villains, but then you include Ridley, you can include Sephiroth, you include K. Rool. Like it was starting to look a bit more of a complete roster on the villain side of things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which is fun because, like, you know, you want to play as the villains and obviously you don't get the opportunity in their own games. No, you don't, yeah. You get to play as Dark Pit, the, the most villainous villain of them all. <laughs> oh, no, he's dark. <laughs> oh, dear. Or you play as Link. So, oh, I'm Dark Link. Dark Pit. Evil, evil man. Next up, we had Pyra slash Mifra from Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Yeah, we did. And these characters were a lot of fun, being the two characters in one, yeah. being able to switch between a light character and a heavier character. I like, I like that the only thing that really changed about them was the speed of their moves and the B moves. And I like that, um, you know, switching was... It, it sort of brought back switching in a way that didn't feel too jarring like it did with, like, Zelda and Sheik back in the day and sort of stuff like that. I, I just need the characters to sort of feel the same and have, like, relatively similar movesets up until the point where their basic controls are similar. Um, mm-hmm. Pyro and Mithra were big because a lot of, the, like, especially for me, there was a lot of outcry too where I was sort of like, we need another Xenoblade rope and smash. There's just, it is just what it is that needs to happen. Um, I'm like, I obviously Rex is the next best, best choice or um, Elma from... Uh, X, I'm like, that. there's got to be a way. And then they're like, Rex costume, like, fuck, well, that's sealed the fate there. The only thing we can hope for is Elma. That that wasn't happening. And then eventually, you know, come to Pyramithra, which um, I, you know, I love Xenoblade Chronicles too. So that really fits sort of every bill there, to be honest with you. I'm happy with that. I really enjoyed using them too. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, because like what you said about the switching characters, like, you know, back on Brawl and Melee and that, like, there was no reason, like, apart from just, like, obviously, like, Zelda and Sheik, 
They're the same character, obviously, and that's a reason to swap between them. But in actual gameplay in Smash Bros, there's no reason to swap between them. You're not going to change necessarily from Sheik to Zelda. No. To finish, like, with a more heavy move necessarily. No. But with these characters, it's a part of the gameplay design, like, you know, like you would think Xenoblade, like you bring back uh, Pyro, you send up Mithra to, or the other way around. Yeah, the other way around. To like do the more heavy attack. Mithra for the heavy attack. Uh, sorry, Mithra for the light attack. Pyro yeah. for the heavy attack. Yeah. Next up, we have Kazuya from Tekken, which is another you know big fighting this game franchise really big, yeah. that was needed to be included in the Smash. I feel. Yeah. And I think uh, Kazuya. I haven't really played much of him for a while, but you know, playing as him when the game first came out, I really really liked him. He was a lot of fun to play as. Like the combos and the way you're able to pull them off was really quite excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. Um, I think he feels heavy too, and because the camera does a lot of nice work to make it feel like Tekken when you're playing him. Yeah, I yeah. think I think that makes him like stupidly unique in in that sense. Uh, Tekken is something that I played a lot as a kid, whether it be like on people's like friends' playstations and stuff, because I never really owned anything till PS2. Mm. Um, I borrowed a PlayStation One, played a lot of PlayStation One there, but Tekken is it it is it is huge in terms of like <laughs> fighting game status um so having a representative from tekken here seems like an absolute no-brainer uh and kazuya was a really good pick um it's crazy how powerful he feels when you're just playing him let alone when you feel like you well when you're getting beaten up by him in uh mm-hmm. in smash yep it's very threatening <laughs> <laughs> sure sure is i've uh been on the other side of kazuya that's for sure yeah um yeah tekken for me was like going over to a friend's place Never played the game in my life. He's obviously played a fair bit of it because he's got the game. It's at his house. Just get my ass whooped. I'm like, oh, that was a cool game. <laughs> Tech Ken. That's what a lot of these um, fighting games were. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to the end. We got Sora next week on the 18th. So we'll finish the, the conclusion, the trilogy for all the introduced characters in Smash Ultimate when we get the chance. But I think Sora is going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully... Hopefully he's light enough that we can kill him easy enough because his recovery looks insane. I so. think I think he is. He's lighter than Isabel. Yeah. So he's actually he's actually very light, but his his recovery is quite insane. He he does play exactly like I'd imagine imagine him to though. You can't have Sora not floaty. It doesn't oh, make sense. Of course not. If he just went doof. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, like what? It doesn't it doesn't make sense. Like in Kingdom Hearts, he that's what he is. He, you, as soon as you press the X button, you realize that Sora is floaty. Yeah. So um you know, he looks like he looks like he's going to play really well. Um, I'm very keen for it. I'm very much an aerial guy. I like doing aerial things. <laughs> yeah, definitely got my interest. Yeah, same here. And it actually made me interested in uh, you know, trying out the Kingdom Hearts <coughs> games. And just uh, quickly before we start wrapping things up, they actually did announce that they were bringing Kingdom Hearts games to Switch. But they're all cloud versions. Uh, I, didn't even, I didn't even bother putting it in the news. It was just that big a no, disappointment. Yeah, it was fucking that disappointing. Just don't even bother. Because I was like, I would love to play like the first, like, you know, the first two collections on Switch. Perfect place to play them. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, because you don't really need need to play them on the TV. Yeah, they're PlayStation 2 games. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Give us the port from the PlayStation 3 version of the game. Here, we're, we're is, dandy. here is Claude version. Enjoy. And we can't even get, we can't even attempt to buy the cloud version in Australia. No. So, regardless of us not being that bigger fans of having the only option be cloud. No, well, you just we've got to, no option. You just have to play Melody of Memory. Yeah, well, I'll just have to. It's a rhythm game. You like it at least. Yeah, it's probably where I should quite like it. It's just, it's really expensive and it never goes on sale. So, yeah. 
that's the problem is like I, i'm not really willing to put like i'm i'm excited for sora to be there and i have a lot of good memories with kingdom hearts and kingdom hearts still is like one of my favorite video game series of all time but three hurt me three hurt me to the point where i'm not even i'm not even gonna bother picking up melody of memory i understand that type of hurt do you though I don't know. Have you had a connection for a series for well over twenty years? For for twenty years, only to be disappointed by its conclusion. Yeah, um, I really didn't like in Mario Odyssey, where actually I fucking love the ending of that game. <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. just want to make up some shit, but yeah. you shouldn't pick Mario. That's a bad place to start as far as bad things because it's very good. The ending of Mario Odyssey made me go, "Holy shit!" and I cried. So. Maybe not that. Um, yeah. But anyway, what we said, a question we asked ourselves earlier is like Sakurai said, never ask me for anything again. I'm <laughs> going to make the ultimate smash game. I'm going to give you everything you fucking want. Shut the hell up. I'm, I'm going on holiday or I'm making a game. I'm making something else for goodness sakes. Did he achieve that yep. with these characters? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he did too. Not, like only he did did, too. not only did he bring back the whole roster, but he also added in a bunch of cool things that people really wanted to base game. And then- you know, uh, going into that. And he also, like, everything falls back to the pole. Everything falls back to that one stupid fucking pole <laughs> we did like a decade ago. Almost, actually, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. And he, he did everything in it. It's like, we're not going to reveal the results and we're just going to fucking do things. And then, like, you know, it, it happened. That's what they did. They he 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 just absolutely crashed through it. And used every single bit of data from that poll to finally generate what would be the perfect Smash Brothers game in terms of casting, which he did, I think, uh, without Gino. But you know, gave us Sora. So, but 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 where's Gino? <laughs> There's definitely people that are saying that. I know. You know. I know. Sorry, sorry, guys. It's just you can't get everyone. Even though we've got everyone, we can't get everyone. <laughs> we've got heaps. We're going to get, there's like so much, there's so much diversity. There's so much like craziness to Ultimate that it's uh, almost hard to believe that all these characters exist in one game that's not just like a Flash game on new grounds or some shit. Um, just like the amount of detail in every single one as well. So yeah. you, you haven't just got them. You've got a really detailed, varied version of them. Yeah, that's right. Like yeah. with, with Sora, it's not just like Sora floating around, it's hitting with his keyblade, it's, you know, he's got like the three different spells. He's got like the different combos and that he can take on. Like he's got a fair bit to him as well. Mm, that's right. Yeah. Okay. That brings us to the end, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, if you'd like to let us know who your favorite Super Smash Brothers <sighs> ultimate character is, you can always join our Discord community. There's an invite in the show notes below. And you can, uh, yeah. You can do lots of things. You can leave us an Apple podcast review. That helps us out. Just do it. What else can they do, Bryce? What would you like the listeners to do after listening to us for two hours? Just uh, turn off your phone and Don't hate talk us. to your family. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Thank you, everybody. Yes, guys. Thank you very much for listening to The House of Mario, episode 209. Very much appreciate it. We love putting this show together. And we'll talk to you next week. All about Metroid Prime Dread again. Metroid Prime Dread. I've lost... Uh, Metroid Prime Dread and Smash. I've lost it. I've lost it. Anyway, guys, the doors to the House of Mario are closed. We'll catch you later. Oh, you just listened to the House of Mario. 
a South Australian Nintendo podcast, be sure to follow the boys on Twitter, leave an Apple Podcasts review, and join the Discord server to be a part of the community. A big thank you to these legends who support the show on Patreon at the producer level. Alex Harding, Sam Hay, and DJ. If you would also like your name in the credits, head over to patreon.com slash idruby and choose the tier that works for you. Until next time, we hope your day is 120 power star rated.